Hello everybody and welcome to the second part of our MCU Trilogy Special. My name is Jack Chambers, I am your host, as always, and joining me, my fellow sequelizer, Mr. Matthew Stockton. Everyone creates the thing they dread. Men of peace create engines of war, invaders create Avengers. We created... Uh, uh, podcast people uh, sequelizers <laughs> lost the word there <laughs> <laughs> and joining Matthew and I also as always it's Tim Matum just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from ships because they knew death was better than sequelizing uh, you, you're not wrong <laughs> you're not wrong Tim what a great quote that is what a great moment mm. Well, if you haven't already caught up, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, this is part two of our three-part MCU special as part of the uh, kind of introduction to this interseason. Mm, we're still back. doing we're still doing a full interseason, by the way. These are bonus extra episodes, so but this is the episode where we're actually going to be kind of sequelizing and doing some changes and making some fixes along the way throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In the first part, we talked about some of our highlights, some of our lowlights, some of our favorite characters, all that kind of stuff. If you haven't already heard that, go back and listen to last week's episode. Mm. It's really bloody long. <laughs> it is, in fact, our longest episode thus which, far. Which clocks in over four hours because our mm. previous longest episode was the Rise of Skywalker yeah. epic. Yeah. <laughs> that was also longer mm. than four hours. Mm. And we've also had the more combat. The season finales are really long, mm. basically, what we've yes. learned so far. Yes. And then when we start talking about and kind of highlighting what, 28 films at this point, yeah. something like that, <laughs> we we talked for a long time. So yeah, yeah that, if you haven't already caught up, there is already four hours mm. of content of us talking about the MCU and going through all of our highlights and stuff it's, like that. It's fine. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it's January, it's horrible out, what else are you going to do but listen to four hours of us? And it's if, a valid point. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, go and sit on a beach and listen yeah, to yeah, a podcast. Enjoy the, enjoy the sunshine, <laughs> yeah. go out. Stick it, stick it on while you're doing a barbecue or something. It's yeah. fine. Enjoy your life, you salty fucks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in this episode, we're actually going to be making some changes, suggesting some fixes, as we do here on Sequelizers. Maybe those will be a little rewriting, a little bit of recasting, a little bit of new directors and stuff going on, as we do with bad sequels. But before we get to any of that stuff, I'd like to say a lovely little thank you to the people on patreon.com slash sequelizers, because we're doing this because of you, patrons. We hit a Patreon goal, which is fantastic and amazing, and we're doing this thing because we hit that goal. We would not be making this epic, probably 10 to 12 hour <laughs> trilogy of, of MCU episodes without you wonderful patrons. And you, if you are not a patron, can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You can get these episodes early, the Friday before they come out on the Tuesday. You can get ad-free episodes. When we're doing pitches, you get the full pitch in text form so you can like read along with us if you didn't quite catch what we were talking about or you need imdb links to any of the actors or anything like that when we're doing proper season stuff you get all the links in there built into the document very handy i know a lot of people have commented on that before and said like, oh it's really hard to like keep up with what you guys are talking about and referencing and all this kind of stuff you can read along with us comes out on patreon it's all a lovely integrated little additional thing you can also get of course exclusive merch Bonus complete exclusive episodes, because we're now in the interseason stuff, you get bonus full episodes, and you get discounts on merch, loads of other stuff, and if you go to the higher tiers, you become an executive producer and get a shout out, like these lovely people have done. Good evening, and welcome to the birthing suite. I'm pleased to announce the imminent arrival of your bouncing, badass baby brother. Mike Salvia. Before we get started, 
Does anyone want to get out? James McDowell. Oh, wait, what about that girl from accounting? Laura, Laura? Michael Belcher. Lip piercing, right? Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. Xenos. There are no strings on me. Josh van der Sloot. What a bunch of a-holes. Jonathan Firth Clark. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. And Josh Miles. Fine. I'll do it myself. Thank you, executive producers. As we said, you make this show possible. We couldn't thank you enough for your support. You make this MCU bonus stuff possible. We make the extended seasons, now 12 episodes for the last few seasons, and all of the in-season stuff possible. We will be doing some new stuff coming up in season 10, and like I said, straight away after this MCU stuff, no breaks between the MCU and the in-season. So the in-season proper, in a way, starts in a couple of weeks. So we will have part three next week of our MCU trilogy and then straight into the end season. And then season bloody 10 is round the corner, gentlemen. Are we excited for season 10? Are we, are we nervous for season 10? Woefully underprepared is what I would say. <laughs> it's, all, it's all fucking gravy, man. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Everything will be fine. The machine keeps I turning. Won't, I won't be writing pitches like three hours before I step into this room. <laughs> oh, I call bullshit. I absolutely will be. <laughs> I may or may not be rewriting stuff on my phone in the room just in case. <laughs> oh, shit, I spelled that wrong. Oh, no. Um, oh no, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> we did have that a few times. Whoopsie yeah. daisy. Didn't didn't he die in the first one? Like, shut up. <laughs> no, I, no, edited that. It was all fine. a dream. It was all a. It's like didn't that actor die two years prior? I was like, oh fuck. Oh um, <laughs> no. Give me a second. Exactly, exactly. But as I said, this is part two of the MCU trilogy. So let's get stuck in, shall we? We're gonna basically we've got three changes each, so nine changes in total. And they range from the very big to the very small recastings, changing of directors, changing of plots and certain moments and villains and all this kind of stuff throughout the MCU. And we're actually going to go through in chronological order. So, mm. And that is release order, not chronological order in terms of the <laughs> MCU. So it's not like Captain America the First Avenger and then that bit from <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy is the creation of the universe oh, and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even though that guy did that edit of that thing yes. where he did like a... Yeah. 60-hour movie that is the full chronological cut of Start, scene by scene. Starts with, I think, bits of This might have changed since Eternals. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to go back. I, I'm not sure how the stuff that's in Eternals factors in compared to the stuff that's in Thor the Dark World. I don't know if the Dark Elves predate the, the universe. That's a very oh good question. God. Because they're outside of the universe, aren't they? It's, it's also whole... because Thor the Dark World doesn't actually tell us. Yes. Very yeah, well. They're outside and of time and space. And they're sort of... Aside from a few bits, they're just trying to vaguely forget that film happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that, um, spoiler alert, we'll get on to Thor The Dark World later on because it's one of the worst MCU movies and needs fixing. But the fact that they're just like, oh, no one probably saw Dark World, so we'll have Thor just basically recap it in Endgame and just be like, yes. oh, uh, the, my brother was a thing and then there was the Dark Elves and uh, there's a reality stone and there was a whole thing and uh, blah, blah, yes. blah, blah, blah. It was in Jane at the time. Yeah, He's yeah. Jane. Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, no, wait, she's coming back now. Do actually care about her. <laughs> oh, she's the next Thor. Oh, fuck. Um, I guess we need to talk about her as well. Yes. Natalie Portman's back. She That's... never left. Everything's fine. That's why we get the play in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. sums up the events and you're like, there you <laughs> go. They're the bits that matter. Problem exactly. solved. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I will pass it over to my esteemed sequelizer colleague, Mr. Tim Matum, to kind of kick us off talking about the very first MCU yeah, movie. coming in at the beginning to make some changes to Iron Man. And we should say that we're going to endeavour 
to now pre in in general terms sequelizing we don't mm -hmm. have a consistent universe <laughs> even though i talked you about keep it jack keeps <laughs> and i refuse keeps trying to yeah, bring do you remember when guillermo del toro did my thing prequel <laughs> so he can't be doing this movie because he's busy doing that now we'd, we'd, we'd so hit traffic jams very quickly but in this mm. case because the mcu is so interconnected we're going to try and keep our, our each other's various tweaks i'm in doing mind. the awkward pull my collar things yeah because we're going to try to keep it as consistent between the three of us and between, like I said, nine different changes that cost nearly 30 movies. Yeah. Oof. There'll be some cross-examination movies. Yeah. Actually, I think hold that on, was probably... And yeah. Oh, yeah. As, as is the case, you know, with the, the relatively new format that we've had over the last few seasons, none of this is set in stone and we're going to discuss each one. It's not yes. like Jack has decided that this guy needs to die or this guy needs to live and then we are fully open to discussion mm -hmm. to then be like, actually, no, I think this should happen instead. Or maybe we change this. Or, oh, you want to change that director? I think this guy might we're, work instead. We're a team. Exactly. And, uh, we're going to win together. And you know what? Something bad happens, we'll do that together too. Yeah. We'll, we'll collaboratively yeah. fix the MCU. Yeah. So, yeah. so as I said. Your idea. <laughs> Shit. Look, look, I was told I couldn't change Avengers to Bum Brigade. So what the <laughs> fuck is the point of being here? Bum Brigade A of pants oh, that'd be great <laughs> infinity bum age of astron oh Yay. it's a pun but i'll allow it yes so we're going back to the very beginning yeah. iron man now we already said that it's a pretty good way to kick off yeah the mcu this is said i kind of mentioned in the previous episode that like when when you strip away some of it it's a fairly straightforward like almost kind of revenge film just with a mech suit in it as well um <laughs> <laughs> So what I would like to do to immediately differentiate itself from that more kind of cl classic straight-up action film roots and to bring it closer in line with the comic book source material, I don't think Obadiah Stane should die. You're starting an interesting principle here, Tim, and I yeah. think that's going to be somewhat of a through line. I know certainly for my picks, I have a theme, and it's a common kind of mm. weak spot throughout the MCU. The thing people often highlight is, oh, the MCU's got shit villains. Mm. Or, if they do have interesting villains, they kill them off straight away <laughs> and they only get one movie. So, you bring up Obadiah Stane, keeping him alive mm. and not doing the typical Marvel thing of killing him in one film and just not really having a recurring villain outside of Thanos and Loki, basically, mm. is an interesting, interesting twist. Yeah, because it was, again, not uh, just to broaden this from the MCU for a second, it's the classic, well, we're not going to have a spin-off. There's not going anywhere. There might be some sequels, one or two of them, but it We don't know matter. we're getting a sequel, so don't Precisely. hedge your bets. Kind so, of Green Goblin, kill him off. Doc Ock, kill him off. Zod, kill him off. And sometimes Fucking it's Zod. like, it works, it doesn't work. So it's like, like, oh yeah, no, it's a self-sacrifice mm. from, from uh, Doc Ock. I, I, I don't mind that in the, in the Sam Raimi. But they brought them York. back in their way home, man. Uh, Everything's mm, fine. Fucking <laughs> That aside, but the, the Zod thing was like a, you fucked this. Yeah. Um, and... Superman just snaps next now, and you're like, yeah. It's, hmm. It also makes it much more d interesting to talk about because if you have to detain them somehow, mm. creating a Supermax prison or the raft, whatever mm. you get to later in, in these films. A big glass box for Loki for some <laughs> reason. Yeah. It's one of those reasons why Magneto is always a threat in the X Men films because you can't just like, Char Charles! Yeah. He never just kills him. He's like, well, I'm, I'm always be there to stop you. Plastic yeah. chess that, pieces, motherfucker. Yeah. Mm. That makes it a big growing roster of, of rogues and villains mm. rather than just. Don't worry, they'll be dead soon. Or don't worry, they'll turn into a hero soon enough. Yeah. We'll, we'll love them like Loki or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, essentially, I'm trying to kind of set two different precedents here. One is the heroes shouldn't, as a, as, 
the default should not be we kill our villains. Both, Agreed. Both Agreed. from a heroic point of view of these guys should not be from default killers. Um, you know, uh, I don't think it. I get in the terms of the character arc that Tony Stark goes on, like why he would go to the Middle East and murder a bunch of people because he's yeah. A, he's going through his trauma, and also he's a white weapons manufacturer, so of course that's how he processes yeah. his grief. Um, but he's still... know, that's how I process grief. I <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, you fly over to yeah. a foreign country. And... I mean, that's very British of you. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, so he's still going to blow people up in tanks, I assume. I think so, but I, you know... I mean, but I super villains, super villains. I think, and I, you know, I would like to move us towards more that heroes don't just kill people. Especially, it's tricky. It, it's I think if this were the DC, I would have a very hard and fast rule of like, Superman does not kill people, Batman does not kill people. Concussions, uh, so they that. become vegetative state. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think with Marvel, you can be a bit more loosey goosey. I think the one that you would normally hold up is, is Cap and say Cap doesn't kill. But if you're putting him, if you're starting him off in a very World War Two setting, he's a soldier. It kind of yeah. makes sense that he would. And also, it's Nazis, so he kills a fuck? bunch of Nazis in the yeah. first movie. Um, Good, yeah. Uh, I'm happy that they seem to have moved him away from that as time has gone he on. He cripples people with shields. It's yeah, fine. He just, he just just hits people in the just, neck with a vibranium. Oh no, yeah. that's bad. They're never yeah, walking again. But it's fine. I, it's, frisbee, yeah. I'm fine with the suspension of disbelief of like <laughs> it's just people getting knocked out and there's no lasting injuries. If it's you're fine. not fine with suspension of disbelief, you're don't watching watch the, the yeah. MCU. Like, it's fucking superhero <laughs> movies. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a carryover from the comics of you know, oh, you can have horrible injuries and you just you just bounce back. So part of it is I don't want the heroes their natural state to be murdering people. I think there's characters that does work for like Punisher. Um, but <laughs> but it would be I think it would be an improved tone of the films if that wasn't what they defaulted to. I don't think there's yeah I think I think I would I would like a more hopeful more comic booky universe. The other thing is that it keeps more villains around. Yes. yes. I know that there's yeah. some people who hate the kind of like, you know, oh, well, you know, it just, uh, you get Arkham Asylum with a rotating door on it and the Joker's always escaping. It's like, yes, and that can be played out in certain things and in some ways it kind of calls back to your sort of 60s Adam West Batman and stuff like that. But also, story, people who make films, storytellers are smart enough to do it in good ways. And I think it it creates a more interesting long-lasting universe if you have villains out there who can come back and like we said they can come back and how they interact can change they can still have a vendetta against the hero but they're trying to be more subtle this time and they've moved into different areas or they can come back and they're seeking redemption there's a lot more avenues than if you just kill them off instantaneously and i think if you start with obadiah stain because as we are next film is incredible hulk they don't kill the abomination i was just about to bring that up all, of all the fucking villains to yeah. bring back, spoiler alert for, I, I guess, spoiler alert, not really mm. a no, spoiler the, alert. It's in the trailers. It, it is in the trailers, yeah. Mm. Um, he's in Shang-Chi for like all yeah. of like eight seconds. Looking a lot more like comic book abomination. A lot more like with yeah. the gills and the big fishy. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a big gill man type thing. And he's also, Tim Roth is confirmed to be in the She-Hulk series that is in production at the moment as well. Mm. Obviously, mm. Bruce Banner's going to be in there. She is Bruce Banner's cousin and Abomination's going to be in there so in some form. Of all the fucking villains to bring back, we talked about it on the previous episode, like, Tim Roth is a really interesting casting, and Abomination, in theory, is a very interesting villain, and definitely not, like, the worst part of that film, ironically enough, for it being an MCU film, but 
to keep the guy from Incredible Hulk alive <laughs> and kill basically every other villain you have, mm. including interesting people like Obadiah Stane. Mm. How much would I like to see more Jeff Bridges in the MCU? Yeah. A lot, please. I and- want more Jeff Bridges. And you're totally right that it allows more character growth and development and arcs that aren't just... Because because this is... And again, we talked about this last week. Like The serialization of these things allows for growth of these characters in a way that is fairly unique in cinema. Granted, this is 2008, so it's even more unique then. And not knowing where this is going to be going, it's a bold choice, but I think it's the right one. It allows for these villains to develop and become more of an integral part and become, like, for example, if Obadiah Stane is still alive, and maybe we'll get onto Iron Man 2 in a second, because that might be another pick, he can then tie into Iron Man 2 in a different way and influence the villains or the heroes in that one to add depth there and bring more continuity and more interest and, as you rightly said, Tim, then more like the comic books, which it feels even more interconnected than it is. And I think allowing the villains to have arcs and development and some of them redeem themselves. Some of them, maybe they do eventually die, but after appearing in three or four or five different films and stuff like that, you allow that growth to happen. That's not just like the central Avengers team. You actually allow tertiary and secondary characters to have that growth as well. And also you don't, it, we're not saying you should bring back every villain. No, 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 no. It's perfectly fine if they are locked up in some supermax prison and never the, seen again. The raft exists for a reason. Yeah. We have the raft there. There you go. But it means you have not cleared that playing piece off of the book. They are mm. still out there in case you want to bring them back. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're seeing bits of that in the MCU now. I, I, I keep saying spoilers, but it's like, no, we're covering the MCU, so fuck you. WandaVision. Mm. Yes. Harkness isn't taken out. And in, is confirmed to have her own show. Exactly, which I feel is the, the, the mm, wrong Which move, is of Harkness or whatever the hell it's called. Fine, yeah. Yeah. But... Things like that, for example, it feels like it's stepping towards that. And, the, and things with like the what if and the alternate universe stuff, it's like, ah, oh, okay, we'll get multiverse stuff. Now we can have options of that. Yeah, and, we've, and we've got multiverse stuff with Spider-Man Now We're Home. Yeah. With Doctor Strange coming yeah, up in March yeah. of, you know, in a few months from Jamamo's now. Jamamo's like, not dead. He's just pissed off. Mordo. Yeah. He, he's not dead. Um, Mordo just walks off the end and is like, yeah. you know what? Fuck you. I mean, like, he's been set up as another thing from the end. Of, yeah. Yeah. But that, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, mm. I, I, maybe he's going to be a part of the second one. Who knows? But yeah. the point is, if you take Killian Murphy, I know we're going to keep bouncing. Warner Brothers, that's not the point, but just to show an example. Killian Murphy as Scarecrow in the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm. He's got tiny little recurring parts after mm. in the second and third film. And they're nice. It just feels, it makes the world feel bigger and more fleshed out. So in the same way that Abom- you know, Abomination turning up in Shang-Chi, it's like, oh shit! Because yeah. like, it just mm. makes it feel like there's legacy and placement and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and it's also like, Wong, obviously not a villain, but you've got no, a, a secondary character, character from mm. Doctor Strange meeting a villain from Incredible Hulk. Yeah. interacting with each other in Shang-Chi is like, mm. oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it it's a way to make it feel like one universe. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, so we, you, Abomination doesn't die, which is, is kind of a weird choice. Uh, you could make the argument of like, well, how are you going to kill Abomination? He's a bit like the Hulk, but also he's fighting the Hulk. And the Hulk is, the, Hulk is one of those ones where you're like, he, he's not quite a mindless killing machine at the end oh, of that can, film. He can but, be, yeah. But, but not the end of yeah. But yeah, yeah. you also wouldn't, you would, not be surprised if they were like, oh yes, and then he, he's in a rage, so he kills Abomination, you know. But no, they 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 take him away. Iron Man two, Justin Hammer gets out okay, but Ivan Vanko is killed. Yes, that's a shame. His bird lives. But we'll, we will touch on that in a moment. In Thor, Loki survives, obviously, but at what price? God, he's sexy. Uh, <laughs> Laufey dies. I'm fine with that. And then in Cap, Red Skull. He oh, sort of that's, died. That's contract shit there, yeah. yeah. yeah but heads yeah. off, you know, to be elsewhere. To, to so, go and guard the soul of But similarly, yeah. when that moment happened in Endgame, you go, 
Oh shit! Oh, it's yeah. not really shit. It's not Hugo. It's Weaving. not Hugo no, Weaving because of you know. Oh, it's that guy reasons. doing an impression of Hugo yeah. Weaving. But it's good enough that it makes you go, "Fuck! Oh, that's mm. so cool." But I think because there's there's actually quite a mix in phase one of hero uh, villains surviving and villains vill, villain surviving and villains being killed, and I think all you really need to do is tweak Iron Man one, and you start steering us towards a different direction. Like we say, I think Marvel has corrected since then because they've realised the value of not doing that. Yeah. The most egregious period, I think is end of phase two, beginning of phase three. You yeah. get a lot of villains killed off. I won't go through like the full list, but like cl- just really clearing the like decks of people of like Ronan the Accuser and, you know, Ultron and, and people like that. The one that really sticks out to me is Crossbones in Civil War. Oh, yeah. yeah he's like, taken out really fast. He's just taken out, and I feel like that's so, like he's such an interesting character to have knocking around. And he's Crossbones for all, like actually as Crossbones. By like ten seconds, yeah, yeah, because he's just bloke. He's just he's just shield, highlighted goon, yeah, okay, shield mm-hmm. slash hydra goon yeah, yeah, in Winter yeah. Soldier, yeah. and then he comes back and he's actually crossbones and it's great, yeah, with the cool power glove, yeah, yeah, hydraulic yeah. thing, um, and then he's killed off more or less straight away, yeah. and it's such like, mm. why would you want not want that character to stick around so you can have him in like Falcon and Winter Soldier, or he's, coming back in yeah. Cap Four, you know. Batroc the Leaper coming back, for example. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Batroc's back. And I went, oh, got, yeah. yeah. And also it gives legacy because it's like, ah, this established villain for this particular character has now been given to this character. Therefore, mm. by owners, we understand that this is now yeah. Captain America. We and, even established in Winter... Like, uh, Brock Rumlow's like, final fight in Winter Soldier is with Falcon. Yes. So if you're setting him up yeah. to become Cap, like, he, he doesn't just hate Steve. He also hates Sam. Like... Yeah. Why wouldn't you keep him around? Yeah, it's so frustrating in that, that regard. And that point of legacy, I think, ties into what you were saying about the comics earlier, Tim, in that having, especially when we're now moving into that phase, we're now head, you know, heading into phase four and looking to the future, which we will touch on next episode. That is the plan for part three. Yeah. It's to look into the future and come up with some ideas for what we're going to see in phase four and beyond for the MCU. Mm-hmm. But we're in that kind of transitional phase at the moment where we're looking at the next generation of Avengers. Some like Tony Stark is dead. Captain America has time travelled and then not time travelled and then as an old <laughs> man and then maybe died. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. A bunch of the original Avengers are now out of contract and leaving and all this kind of stuff and now passing the torch on to the next generation. And it's key with Sam there taking on the mantle of Captain America and his journey has been can I live up to the legacy of Steve mm. Rogers? Can I prove myself? I'm an African American guy trying to be Captain America mm. in a white man's world, going up against like the most pure, beautiful white man America has ever seen in Steve Bloody Rogers. Mm. How do I handle this? And then being able to face Cap's previous villains and kind of literally test himself and prove himself yeah. adds that legacy and, and, and builds on that storyline of living up to the legacy of the previous generation. Stuff like that. It's, a, mm. it's a really nice way. They do it in comics all of the time. Mm. Granted, I think they do it too much in the comics. And I think <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, we're obviously going for a balance here, a healthy balance of like, like you said, we're not keeping everyone alive and every villain just faces yeah. every other yeah. second generation superstar or whatever. Zemo is alive. Zemo has been seen in one film and one TV series currently. Yeah. Mm. And has been a very important part of those things throughout. Yeah. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although he is becoming a hero slowly. Yeah. <laughs> from, from one he's, fucking dance. He's playing like, a fucking oh. Loki, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, sexy, one sexy dance from Daniel Brawl. And everybody's like, well, he's the new star of the MCU. That's mm. all we need. Um, but yeah, they do that a lot in the comics, like Miles Morales kind of taking over from Peter Parker. Miles Morales didn't have any original villains for a while mm. and was facing Rhino and Shocker and all these kind of guys that are the usual Spider-Man villains. 
but he's got Prowler, his Uncle Aaron, mm. played by a childish Gambino, hopefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully in the MCU, that's canon, sort of, ish, maybe. <laughs> and and all this kind of stuff, introducing the second generation allows us to bring back those villains. You can have mm. Obastiah Stain show up in Ironheart, mm. which we know is coming up, which yeah. is going to be a future project that definitely will tie into mm. Tony Stark in some way, even with the name, even if you don't know the character of Riri mm. Williams. You know Ironheart, Iron Man, you can make the connection there. The branding's there. The mm. branding's there. It all makes sense and have her, like you said, maybe you redeem Stain and he helps build the Ironheart suit or... He's her first challenge and she kicks his ass in 10 seconds and proves herself as, like, really cool. Yeah. You can do so many different things by bringing these guys back. I think it's a really interesting mm. idea. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my first change. I think, it's, I think it's, 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 a, it's a small one, it's but it's hopefully one, one that, that ripples throughout the rest of the MCU and just edges us off into a different direction. So who's next? I'm next. We're going to talk about from Iron Man 1 to Iron Man 2. Aha. Uh-huh. And from talking about villains. To talking about villains. <laughs> Let's just point out. Which, jump, decide... Jumping over Incredible Hulk, because it's perfect. Yeah. It has no, no flaws. No changes there, because it's already course-corrected so effortlessly. Like, I mean... Uh, well, re- recast to, uh, I guess, Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> Waste an option on that, yeah. Exactly, yeah. As I said, there's a theme throughout my three picks that is the villains, and whether that's keeping them alive or changing the focus and all this kind of stuff. And talking about sexy dancing... Mm. few men dance more sexily than one Mr. Sam Rockwell playing Ooh. Justin Hammer. Yeah. Sam Rockwell, the finest dancer in all of Hollywood. Probably the not. most insistent. The most insistent. Yeah. <laughs> contractually obligated dancer. Yeah. Um, it, Sam Rockwell's amazing. I think he's one of the better things about Iron Man 2, and I do not like Iron Man 2, mm-hmm. for the record. I think it does a lot of shit that is just set up for future projects and not actually tell a particularly interesting story. Because mm-hmm. it should be and this is kind of where I'm coming in, a story about Rhodes and Rhodey learning to be War Machine and coming to terms with it. And again, it's kind of that legacy thing. And I think if you get rid of the weird version of board-wielding Whiplash that we get... Oh, we're getting rid of Whiplash entirely? Getting rid of Whiplash entirely. And I think have Hammer be the focus and be Mm. the villain for Iron Man 2. I assume he's going to be there for just a little bit more straight edge. What? Doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, he's not as quippy. He's not as because he tells me, is he going to be literally the other version? Is, is he the exact same portrayal as Sam Rockwell is doing now? Ish, or is he shifting into both roles of being terrifying as well as this, or is he still no? He, Jake's he and mostly maintaining the the charismatic kind of thing. He is mm. he is dark Tony Stark in a way that Obadiah Stane was kind of dark Tony. Yeah, yeah, dark, yeah. Well, mm. dark Howard Stark for Obadiah Stane, I guess. Mm, but true. yeah. Having him be the arms dealer that goes too far and does do deals with the wrong people and choose all this stuff, I think have him be like a foil to Tony Stark in that way and see like, oh, this is what I could have been if I'd have chosen this path, that kind of thing. Uh, this is partly inspired by a video um, on YouTube from Nando V Movies. I was <laughs> going to ask if you had seen that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I have. Um, he fucking loves Justin Hammer. Hammer is his one of his favorite characters in all of the MCU, which I think is... An exaggeration. He's putting it on a bit. Mm, yeah, clearly. Nando. But it's a brilliant piece and talking about why he's such an interesting counterpart to Tony Stark and why Whiplash is basically just there because his dad was hurt by Tony's dad. So there's a weird, like, avenging my dad on behalf of my dad for your mm. dad against the son. Like, I mean, okay. It plays into the daddy issue yeah. stuff. But again, we've got that in so much fiction. Yeah. You don't need. I, I think yeah. that's a bit overplayed. And what Mickey Rourke's choices, and they are apparently <laughs> Mickey Rourke's choices to be like, gold teeth, bird, 
lots of tattoos and accent. Well, Mickey like, Rock disappeared. Yeah. Justin Favreau was like, we're about to shoot and Mickey Rock still isn't back from Russia doing his own reconnaissance. And he goes, I've got the character now. And it's like, uh, what, what do you mean? Yeah. And Favreau is so stressed. He's like, fucking, okay, yeah. okay, okay. There's a reason Favreau never came back to do a Marvel. I film. want my Borod. And he apparently just showed up with a fucking bird and they were like, you yeah. all right, Mickey? I mean, you just won an Oscar, mate. You're all right. You've just been on the wrestler. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all good. Which means I know what I'm doing. I've got my board. And like, what? a big pardon? What? <laughs> so, yeah. I think Whiplash, I think you can tie, you can maybe do Whiplash later. I don't think Whiplash is a particularly interesting character in that one. Mm. I think having it tie into kind of Hammer having the, the, the drones, the adventure, the versions mm. of the Iron Man suit, the War Machine suit more specifically, mm. and have it be... Iron Man's kind of established, and this is Tony Stark helping Colonel Rhodes, James, become more of a character and become War Machine, and understanding like where his position is in terms of like, yeah, you are kind of like the government-sanctioned Iron Man, which we can then tie into Civil War and stuff mm. like that, and they have sure. that conflict there. Having that be more about Rhodey's progression, obviously not sidelining Tony Stark because I think it's a bit too early to do that. He's mm. still one of the key characters here, but I think Sam Rockwell is so fucking good. He is so charismatic. He dances and eats and just <laughs> has the best time. And I just adore His Sam Rockwell. Horrible self-tanning lotion stained hands. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. god, yeah. There's there's so many little details in Hammer that I kind of didn't appreciate until I watched uh, Nandavi movies mm. uh, YouTube video, and it was this weird thing of like, oh, that is a nice little touch. Oh, that is really subtle. And because I don't like Iron Man two very much. I think it really would improve it if you kind of trim a lot of that bollocks because it feels like there's so much going on there. Mm. You can have a leaner, more interesting film if you kind of get rid of one of the villains and have it really focus on this. Yeah, put Rhodey into a more of a central focus as being like yeah. the, just the, the friends sparring and, you know, watching your friend sink into alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I think there's, there's an interesting angle that you could explore there where the whole like tony part of tony's arc in the first film is like i don't like that my weapons are being used to hurt someone i'm going to give it up and stop making weapons in iron man 2 you can explore the fact that well just because you've stopped doing it the military industrial somebody's complex gonna fill that hole yeah right? someone's yeah, going to come yeah, in and yeah. fill your place it's not just that you have to stop doing it you, like you've got to take that machine apart and you can build up a tension then between roadie and Tony, and whether that plays out in this film or it continues into, you know, further subsequent ones of just the idea of like, Rhodey is very much enmeshed in the military machine. Iron Man stands kind of, it, he, it's tricky. He's sort of opposed to it, but sort of not, you know, it, inc increasingly perhaps in our, Again, in our MCU. And, and ties into Civil War, I think. That yeah. brings on more tension for Civil War there as well. Yeah, he's essentially examined his relationship with like the military and that that whole thing, you know, to Iron Man 2 as it is, starts with that whole Senate hearing where he's like, I'm not giving the military this this hardware, and that becomes a source of tension between him and Rhodey, and I think there's more meat on that bone yep. that Iron Man 2 doesn't, because there's so much going on in it, it doesn't have enough room to, to really get into that, yeah. and to get into, like, is Tony just being an arsehole about that, or is he actually, does he have, actually have values that are like, no, I don't want this machine to fall into anyone else's hands? Which, again, I think, you know, you can bring those themes back in Civil War because, in a way, that's kind of what Cap says. You know, he's like, I don't want the Avengers Being, the, yeah. to, to fall into government Turned hands. Into government weapons you know, all which that kind is of stuff. kind yeah. of what Tony is like with the Iron Man suit, but equally he's... Yeah, there's, I think there's, there's so many interesting themes going on there and the, the kind of the, the, the fact that Tony, over the cross, course of the Marvel films, 
keeps reckoning with the idea of like retirement and, and that kind of idea of you know we we fight so that we can stop fighting you know i, I ideally i want to set th- something up so that earth is defended but i don't have to be the person doing it and his struggle to find a way to do that and whether he can do that whether he can step away from that responsibility or does he have to keep going back to it and that ties into Age of Ultron as well. The whole exactly it, t- of armor it ties into Ultron. The world it ties into like, yeah. his his you know the fact that he goes away in Endgame yep. during the five years and is like, no, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna have a family and I'm gonna you know, I'm out, I'm out, you know. Yeah, yeah. I um, think it would really help to explore Tony's character and as much as he is basically the main character for the MCU for the Infinity Saga, which is the first three phases. I think it would allow more depth for the character. You can, as much as they kind of did the demon in a bottle thing, which for those of you who don't know, is the famous alcoholic mm. Iron Man story mm. uh, in the comics. He kind of has a bit of that in Iron Man 2 that's they, not properly explored and it's a very like Disney-fied version it, of it. And then they kind of do it again in Iron Man 3, but yeah. they, they essentially they sub in PTSD instead yes, of alcoholism. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, he's already dealing with the, like, the uh, arc reactor poisoning and stuff. Mm. You can have that be an analogy for alcoholism and stuff mm. without having the slapsticky fucking DJ party bullshit and just all yeah. that stuff. Mm. Have it a bit more personal and a bit more mm. direct and have Hammer be the like, hey man, there was a guy, you know, I- I'm just taking your spot. You you left to be Iron Man. You were hanging mm-hmm. out at a cave in the Middle East or whatever you were mm-hmm. doing. Somebody had to do it. And you just mm. have him be like, well, you know, you're never going to solve this problem. Even if you put a suit of armor around the world, as he plans to mm. do. Who's who's saying somebody's not going to hijack a, a drone and and turn it against you and all this kind of stuff? Mm. I just think it allows more development for, as we said, Rhodey in particular because I think he's pretty underutilized in the MCU as much as as many films as that character <laughs> yeah. has been in. And we're supposed to like suddenly really care when we think he gets like shot down and crippled mm. after like ten films. You know, I mean, he's had like twenty minutes of screen time at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think building him up as more an important character allows us to do more with him later on. That you can have him, you know, shot down by Vision and all mm. that kind of stuff later on as well. That gives that more weight. It gives Ultron more weight. It gives everything like that. And if it all ties back into Hammer and the military and all that kind of stuff, I think that makes that film a lot more streamlined and tied together a lot more thematically. Thinking about things that are good in Iron Man 2, because mm. I'd imagine the finale of your film is pretty much the same. The, the best part of the finale is all the drone stuff. The big drone because, fight, yeah. Because essentially the, the Ivan Vanko fight does not last very long at all. No, it's a it's kind of a threat. More yeah. than else. So I'm yeah. here, I whip. Yeah. Great. Um, and then they do the thing where they shoot the... They touch tips, you know, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> cross with, the streams. They cross the streams yeah. and then it blows up and it's and it's done. And that, that, fight, yeah. that fight lasts like a minute and a half compared yeah. to the awesome drone fight that's yeah. most of that in sequence. However... Do we still get a suitcase armor sequence somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I think you can do. I think maybe one of the like, I wonder if like do a slightly different version of the expo scene and mm-hmm. have one of the drones go wrong there mm. and Tony has to step in and save them. Not the initial one. I think you have to have Hammer be successful and mm-hmm. seem successful and be like the, you know, the mm. big salute that he does with all of them and they all salute and he all salutes mm. back and all that kind of stuff. You get Sam mm. Rockwell being this charismatic kind of like, I'm I'm Tony Stark, but better kind of mm. thing is what he's going for, and having that tie in later on, it's not essential, but mm. that is very much a part of the basically developing the toys. <laughs> we have to have a new Iron Man suit because mm. we need a new toy. Yeah. He's now silver instead of gold, and mm. it's got a slight, it's got a triangle instead of a circle because mm. toys. 
Um, but yeah, I think you still could have that moment, mm. not in uh, a, a random race course, <laughs> because why is he on the? Why is he dressed up as a guy working in a pit when <laughs> Tony Stark is not meant to be in the race in the first place? Yeah, like what yeah. was his plan going in there? Like I'm just going to chop cars in half with my whips until Tony Stark comes out of the crowd and does something. Like, yeah, I mean feasibly. What, I, but yeah, but like but it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Weird. Yeah, and he's just like arrested and taken away. It's like, okay, are you much of a threat here? You've mm. done, you've got no plan and done nothing, and then fucked off for a bit. And it's mm. like, okay, I mean, get out of my movie, basically. <laughs> I mean, I think you could, it, if you wanted to hew close while still putting the focus on Justin Hammer, I think you could still have a t- a Whiplash type character. Just make him more of a hired goon, and rather than him essentially being the the clever one, and Hammer being kind of a patsy, you have Pat, uh, you have Hammer be the person who he's like, I've built you this equipment. I want you to go do this attack just to justify me then getting these defense contracts. Good idea, Tim. See, like that's it. what I was about to ask. Is like, yeah. do you make? There's like, 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 the idea of like Hammer's personality, Hammer's uh, presence has to shift ever so slightly, and he has to be the one pulling the strings. Yeah, he has yes, to be yeah. the whole like. It's him as a mastermind it rather than as... It was always me, Tony. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh no, there's yeah. not, it's not just some random drone. It's not a hacker like you thought it was. Yeah. It's been me all along. It was me all along! Austin. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I think that means the thing you need to do with Tony is give him a bit of hubris. It's like, mm. you underestimated me every step of the way, you fuck. Yeah. Which again, is what they do in Iron Man 3. It's Aldrich Killian mm. in 3, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But I think, yeah, having a muscle there, I think would work quite well. Whether it's Whiplash or not. Ideally, no bored, no weird, no, golden no. teeth I, and I think if you're cause... making him more of a, a goon... If he's a henchman, he's a henchman. He's, he's a henchman. Yeah. You, henchman you don't, you yeah. don't get, you're not going to get Mickey Rourke to play the henchman. And yeah. so you can pick someone who is a smaller, an interesting character actor. Yeah. You know, someone who's got, who can be intimidating and, and a physical threat, but yeah. ultimately is just a henchman. Yeah, and one of the things Nando brings up in his uh, video is like the idea of like Titanium Man. Yeah, and like having an alternate version, he builds this new kind of like better Iron Man kind of thing, kind of mm. like Iron Patriot a lot in in three as well. Mm. Kind of tying into that, like, not only can I you know decode all of your stuff and work out how to do mm. this and sell it to the government, I've improved it, I've done it better, mm. and what's better than Iron Man? Titanium Man, motherfuckers! <laughs> and Tony's like, you know, this suit isn't made of iron, right? Like, I'm not literally made <laughs> yeah, of iron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like a titanium alloy. I'm yeah. basically indestructible. Whatever. But, like, have somebody there, I think a henchman or somebody mm. that he basically dresses up as this, yeah, creating this faux threat to yeah. say, like, see, see, my drones can take care of them, and Iron mm. Man was fucking off and doing this other thing. Mm. I'm the one who's protecting you. Tony Stark is off being drunk, if we want to keep that, or mm. yeah, he's, he's being poisoned, he's not the hero mm. you think he is. He's human and he's fallible. And he's I'm, fallible, mm. and I'm the genius here. I've always been the genius. I'm unbreakable! Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, having Hammer become what he thinks Tony Stark should be, but then obviously, mm. yeah, be, being fallible mm. at the end. And again, we can keep him alive. He can come back in. Maybe yeah. he ties into Ultron or Civil War mm. or whatever. Because no, that's yeah. the thing. I don't think Hammer ever needs to actually get in a suit. The nope. fact, no, nope. and I think Agreed. the fact that he's like, I don't need to fly around. That's, that's, that's grunt work. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I'm a businessman. Tony. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that yeah. makes him look down on Tony because Tony yeah. is the businessman who also does all of the handiwork. He's also an engineer. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like that yeah. Shit. Um, yeah. Because yeah, Hammer is one of those examples of someone who is alive still in the things. He's yeah. in prison in the in the one shot on uh, Long Live the King. Yeah, mm. it's like, oh yeah, you got Rockwell just sat there. Get him, get him dancing. Get him doing something. Yeah, 
just shame about gay jokes in that one. Well, that's the problem yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of hammers, Matthew. Oh, very good. Why don't we touch on your first choice, your first change? It's a big one, but it's mm. also a small one. <laughs> um, it's like I've heard s- that one before. Not from me. Um, yeah, so so in a sentence, it's like, oh, that's an easy change, and they're like, no, no, we need to talk about the ripples. This is, I think, of the of the changes. Yes, okay, the idea of restructuring a lot of the villain work in Iron Man Two. Sure, that goes on has a nice lasting effect. Obadiah Stane living at the end of the thing, lasting effect. This is a big change. I'm not saying I'm bigger than all of them, just of the first three. I remember when we were laying this stuff out, it was one of the first things you wrote down, Matt. It was. And I looked at the doc, we have like a Google Doc that we all work on. We've got a little table all laid out and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's a very interesting one because I agree with you. Okay. I'm just okay. saying that right now. Okay. So my... I also agree. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys now? We've there got agreement. Go. There's yeah. an accord between the sequelizers. Moving now on. we're with the next person. <laughs> um, Thor. The film, not the person. Yeah. Thor introduces a new character. Very much based, as we've discussed, on uh, Ultimate Avengers. Or the yes. Ultimates. The Ultimates. And I feel like changing the actor would allow us to do something weird enough that Thor does. Where it's like... Thor is cast in this role, Hemsworth is cast in this role as Thor, and Thor shifts until he finds out what he's supposed to be, and then it's like, ah, got it, bang, there it is. That's Thor. That's what we think Thor is now. That's the one, the version that works best because he utilized Thor Hemsworth's skills. I think we need to get a different actor who can be utilized to give the performance they want in the, in the early iteration, saying, well, that's time with what we're going with, but then can grow into something much better and closer to what we want later. What I'm skirting around here is Hawkeye. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Jeremy Renner. Hello, Renner fans. Take your app and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> the Jeremy Renner app. That was a thing. Okay. Do you want so- to keep up to date with Jeremy Renner's social media by having a separate app that collates all of his social media in one place and alerts you when he releases a new song on Spotify so you can torture your ears? Get the Jeremy Renner app. Fuck you, Jeremy Renner. It's like a fucking ad read. <laughs> yeah, that was the actual ad. <laughs> yeah. Renner gave us no money. Sponsored by Jeremy Renner. The app. So those who are watching the Hawkeye series at the minute or have seen it all now will know that the character is finally improving. Yes. Because the arguably one of the best runs <laughs> of the comics is Matt Fraction and David Aha's um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. It's just a standard yeah. 12 issues, I want to say, maybe 20 issues. Um, and it's really good. And it redefined the character, basically. It took a lot of elements of what was already present because Hawkeye's always been this very strange, very human Kind of combative, kind of... One of the more grounded members of yeah. the Avengers, because he's and... just a bloke. Yeah, him and Cap going toe-to-toe every now and then, saying, mm, can't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the characterization, like, because, yeah, like you say, the, the, the Fraction run, which came out pretty much at the same time that the Avengers film did. Yeah, exactly. because they About 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, because the, the Fraction run opens with him jumping off a building and shooting an arrow up to yes. grapple hook. Yeah. And, and I believe when that came out, they were like, yeah, we didn't know that was going to be a shot that was in Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then reused in the Hawkeye series. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and before that, like you say, his characterization was a little bit inconsistent, but he, he, he often clashed with Cap. He was kind of the slightly more hot-headed voice on the Avengers. He was a bit of a bit of a lover boy. Bit of like, like lots of he also had, romantic yes, he had a lot. He was uh, not quite Daredevil level. But, yeah. But My yeah. Boy. <laughs> yeah, Daredevil, leaving all the women in his life scarred or dead. But yes, he had a lot of partners. So he... he presented an interesting and different side of things and in, in like um new avengers when he's ronin for example you see a darker side from him. He's like no this isn't how we're doing it now we're taking them. and it's very very interesting how it goes however in the films all we get is 
this very militaristic version. Yeah. yeah. Well, he also we, he's brainwashed for most of uh, oh, Avengers. Avengers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like we barely see him. You get what two lines from him in Thor? Clearly yeah. filmed after yes. they'd filmed the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does like a whole like I'm rooting for this guy. He's here or I'm waiting for him or something like I that. I got eyes on the I got thing. eyes on him, yeah. yeah, or something like that, and that's it. And I think you touched on something you've kind of been skirting around it. My big problem with the Hawkeye series hmm. is that this doesn't feel like the Hawkeye from the MCU. This is the Hawkeye from the Fraction Aha run. Essentially. There's just kind of been like it's similar to what you said about Thor actually, because I think the first Thor, and again, my next pick is Dark World, ladies and gentlemen, because Dark World <laughs> needs fixing. But Dark World was a big problem because it changed the tonality of Thor. That film is really grim for no reason, basically. It's quite dour. Well, yeah. we know why. Game of Thrones. Well, yes. Except fucking Alan Taylor. But the first Thor has a bunch of jokes. And he's a fish out of water. And it's this kind of yep. thing. And it's genuinely funny and, and like an interesting take on that character. And, and obviously, mm. they exacerbated that and expanded upon it in Ragnarok, which is probably one of the funniest MCU movies there is. Mm-hmm. Easily, easily. And... They seem to be carrying on that. Obviously, Taika Waititi is a fantastic director and writer and all this kind of stuff, and he's bringing his own style into that and Love and Thunder, which is going to be Thor 4, blah, 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 blah. Hawkeye is dour as fuck for ages, and then it's suddenly like, yeah, I've got a family, and you're like, wait, what? You're in Avengers? You're in the Avengers. You have a family, and then you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll worry about them later. In in Ultron, they're basically just there to make us think that they're going to kill off Hawkeye so that they can swerve us and be like, oh, you didn't see that coming, see, we killed Quicksilver. Like, the, the, the reason the Fraction and Aha run is how it is is because he's a fucking deadbeat. He is the loser of the Avengers because he's just a bloke. And he is just there to be like, I've got beaten up again. Um, I mean, I'm, st- I'm rich, I'll buy this because I'm in the Avengers, but like, hmm. I'm, I'm not flying around in space, I haven't there's, got... There's a hint of it in Avengers Age of Ultron where everyone's flying off doing stuff and he goes, <sighs> and he starts jogging. Yeah. And for him, it's like, yeah. there it is. Yeah. There needs to be a lot more of that. And I think recasting it and adjusting the tone with, we haven't got to it yet, your choice of recasting, Matthew, yes. instead of Renner, the person you have chosen, hmm, hinty, mm, hinty, mm. hinty, can bring that levity and will allow the Hawkeye series to feel more coherent with the, the rest of the portrayals of Hawkeye throughout the series, I think. Mm. Yeah. The, the 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 thing I love about Fractions Hawkeye and that that portrayal, which I think has carried on through, which you don't see anywhere really in the MCU, is he's a person who is incredibly good at one thing, mm-hmm. and the rest of his life is kind of a disaster. Yep, yep. Like it's not that he's 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 useless because if you if you put a bow and arrow in his hand, he is amazing. He's like incredible. Mm-hmm. He's incredible at that thing. He just is bad at everything. <laughs> He's like kind of like doctors. If yeah. you ask him to write a check, they're like, "What?" Yeah. Ask him, like, can, can you just like send him an email? Yeah. But if they can go perform complex surgeries and save your fucking mm. life, but that's because they've narrowed themselves so much that yeah. everything outside of that is a fucking mystery. Yeah. The 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 MCU Hawkeye, even once we've established like, oh, he's a family man, and that's a whole thing. Like, it just keeps pulling him back to this like grim, dark. He fucks, ultimate, he, he fucks ultimate off and becomes Ronin. Stuff. Yeah, they go into Ignoring the Ronin stuff like, okay. and like it just it feels it feels so adolescent in its conception of him as as just like oh yeah like he's this tortured hero and it's but but also he's a dad and it's like he's got a terrible fucking haircut yeah um <sighs> awesome tattoos <laughs> oh god <laughs> and I think you know there's. 
he he feels like the most one single tone character in in the Avengers. And then suddenly it's like, ah, oh, he's all funny and like yeah. hanging out with LARPers and stuff in the Hawkeye series. Yeah, like, yeah. Really? Okay. Mm. And Renner has. I'm not saying Renner has a hard time selling it because I do yeah, think yeah. it's frustrating. It's like. Now they've sort of got this characterization. I'm like, yeah, you can, you could maybe sell me on Renner's Hawkeye. Fair enough, mm. no problem at all. He's better in Hawkeye than he has been. I mean, and part run. of it is that he's given more to do than yeah, he has true. been in the previous films. More but... screen time in that series than the last yeah, twenty but it's films. Just, put together. It's just a more appealing character, and so the the performance is going to benefit from the and fact it that helps it that he's got Kate Bishop to bounce off of and all that other Yeah, stuff, she's giddy and energetic, mm, and he's yeah. like, I'm just so fucking tired. Yeah, I just kind of want to. Mm fine and then it te- but also seeing that she has the same talent so it's like oh there's a kinship there it's quite yep. nice yeah so who have i got yeah um now i know we've already had ed norton no no i'm kidding um <laughs> i had a lot of thoughts sam about- rockwell <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay all guys dancing everywhere. i'm gonna have chris evans pull double time <clears throat> so basically um i had a lot of thoughts about this and weirdly enough i remember dream casting this stuff when i was a kid oh, a kid a, 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 well, a 35 year old man no no more, more when I was in my 20s watching these films for the first time right, right right and so it's like I remember in my sort of Iron Man review I was like oh it would be amazing to see where this could go next because of the whole you know um, the Avengers of, initiative yeah Nick thing Fury and you're like, yeah. oh wow who could you cast as this and they've announced all these films I remember the articles that happened and they uh, still they yeah. still happen now yeah, yeah. looking forward to phase 4 as I said they're now YouTube like, videos yeah they're now YouTube <laughs> videos rate. and yeah articles on comic book resources and stuff like 10 Dreamcast fan casting bullshit. Next Wolverine! For, who's going to be the next Wolverine? It could be any of these 10 people. It's not going to be any of those fuckers. And, or like, who's going to be the... We've got Iron Man. Who's going to be Thor? And yeah, yeah. Hawkeye and Hulk and blah, 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 blah. All those kind of bollocks. There's one that circulated, which was on old like Wizard Magazine or some shit like that. And it's the... um, um There's, there's going to be an X-Men movie. Who do we think the cast is going to be? And you're like, oh my God, yeah. you couldn't have been more wrong. So anyway... So this is one of those names that appeared on my list back then as well. Like, this guy would be good, but he's very busy. It's like, actually, now I look at this back of his career. No, he'd be fine. Also, look about how Hawkeye is utilized. He'd be fucking fine. Mm. And he's Tim there for put 10 a, minutes. Yeah, and Tim put a tweet out, like, last year, apparently. Yes. With the exact same choice. I'm oh, like, really? Brilliant. Nice. Uh, I shall get into that, yes. because I was The individual in question is my boy, James T. Kirk. It's William Shatner. Um, oh! Chris... Pine. We're bringing in another Chris. Because what the yeah. MCU needs is another handsome white guy called Chris. To, to be fair, this would be arguably one of the first Chris's. It would yes. be Hemsworth and Pine, because at yeah. this point, Evans and uh, uh, Pratt haven't turned up properly mm. yet. But they will. But they will. <laughs> we'll have all the Chris's I all mean, together. It, it, yeah. might even, it, might, it might mean that we don't get Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, because they're just like, we can't cast another. We've already got three Chris's. Chris's. Yeah. Yeah. I have to go with Howerton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's my choice. Um, in terms of impact, it's like, well, one could argue, yes, it has a huge impact because the character changes. One's like, well, no, because the fra- as, as has been pointed out, the fraction run, the iconic run, doesn't happen until Avengers. So, but it, it, we've had two Hawkeye appearances, so so Pine could easily do that again. It's it, he's not going to be overtly. I mean, he's obviously locked into various contracts and doing various things, but I think it will work perfectly fine um, for the amount of time that he requires to be in these these films. And more importantly, when it comes to pivoting the character, you could get on it a lot faster. I think by the time Age of Ultron comes around, he's a different character. And I will expand on that later. He's also nine years younger than Jeremy Renner. Renner. Is he really? Bloody hell. Renner's like 50... 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, he's uh, sorry, 50. How old is he about? 50. There's a zero in it. I like to pronounce it. 50. Yeah. He's 50 this year. I don't know if he... Yeah, well, yeah, he will be 50 now, then, because yeah. it's fucking December. Yes, exactly um, a good point, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, and I think you're right. I think he fits in with... No, so, again, you can't not have Obi. I'm not saying you shouldn't cast someone because they're young, whatever. Mm. But I think you can then have the hothead. You can have the, the fuck yeah. up. Him in, like, Hell or High Water, for example. Mm. Um, in a nice insight into someone like, God, this guy's like, life is just fucked up. Well, the, the thing that made me do my tweet, which was about a year ago, yes. was uh, the miniseries that he was in, I Am The Night, mm. which was Patty Jenkins doing direct... She didn't direct all of them, but several no. of them. Because um, obviously she directed him when he was Steve Tre- Trevor. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, may not be Steve Trevor in this universe. And I'm like... Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll survive. Maybe Chris Pratt can do that. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe cannot. Jeremy Renner can do it. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, he can't do that either. <laughs> um, but he, he's essentially playing kind of like a pulp hero, uh, pulp detective in that uh, noir, it's sort of a neo-noir type story. Yeah. Um, and he gets beaten up a lot in that. And I just saw pictures of him and I was like, I can picture that. I look at I look at Fraction Aha Hawkeye. Who's covered in cuts Constantly and covered and, yeah. in cuts and bruises. Bandages and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, and I look at pictures of Chris Pine from uh, from I Am The Night, and I'm like, mm. yeah, I can see that resemblance. Well, it, throughout the first Star Trek film, he's just got like a big bruise on his yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly he's, yeah. he's just... Again, he, su- he, suits, he suits injuries, you yeah. know, and, and, um, and yeah, I think that it makes so much sense to have Hawkeye be the person who's constantly, like, got an ice pack on him, because he's, he's he human. is, he's the human yeah. hero, and... You know it, they, and they do that in the film. You know he gets mm. he gets shot in the first battle in Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and it's used as a thing to be like, yeah, you know we've got we've got to look out for this guy. He keeps us on our toes. Uh, well, I think the idea, like the line, because again, if uh, the line that we mentioned before, how Whedon doesn't understand mm. Captain America, mm. the line of I think it's um, if you get hit, get up again. If you die, mm. walk it off. I'm like, mm. it's not a very cap line. It's cool, yeah. but it's not cap. But I get it. Yeah. But it's cool. But Again, I, I could imagine that moment being stopped mm. and, and, and Hawkeye saying, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out what... These are people yeah. who live here. And that's, that's where you get the, the, the animosity. Because, like, again, it's like we said previously, how do you have an argument with a guy who's already, always right? Yeah. You argue because he's up against something. And it's the thing that they try to push through in Age of Ultron, where his family says, no, you're the human side of this. Mm. So you ground these people. And it's like, mm. yeah, Hawkeye does. Renner doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Renner's just there. Yeah. And it's also... It, it, it's interesting seeing the stuff that carries over from Ultimates. Because in Ultimates, Black Widow has more like Captain America superpowers. She's mm. she's a Russian super soldier. Yeah, she's enhanced um, and stuff. And so there's literally a line in Ultimates where Hawkeye is like, I like I can't keep up with you. I'm just a dude with a bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah. And that feels very carried over because they don't go, hey, Black Widow is also a human. They kind of touch on that in the first Avengers. Yes, um, a, bit. a bit. But they kind of very quickly move past that because she's just like super cool and... Has has no problems dealing with yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's it's the classic splash page where they have the spinning. Oh, we're gonna take out all the all the Ultron bots, and yeah. you've got Mjolnir and Vision and mm. shit. And then, and it's um it's uh, Black Widow with two Glocks, and you're like, yeah. I thought these were like, gonna be really really like tough adversaries. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you're just going pop 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 pop, and yeah, it's it, it's frustrating because they don't want to do with the character. But anyway, um, so Chris Pine, I think it's a big change. I think there are changes we're going to talk about later that will impact it. We'll come mm. back to it. But all in all, we still get a Hawkeye TV series, I think. We yeah. may even get a Hawkeye film off the back of it. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's more likely off, the, off a Chris yeah. Pine than a Jerry Renner. Uh, uh, yeah. But then Renner was, at the time, 
an Oscar win. Well, not he well, was in Oscar winning films and things. Yeah, yeah, he was, and he was, he was being tipped to be. He's the next Bourne. Yeah, he's, he's the next in, Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, God, he was showing up in both of those yeah. movies. And everyone's like, oh, he's kind of the same character in all of it. <sighs> yeah, didn't and stick. I don't, And that's the thing. He's he feels more Hawkeye-ish in like uh, Mission Impossible. In in like uh, yeah, Ghost Protocol and yeah. Fallout mm. because he's he's a little bit he's playing it a little bit lighter there. Yeah, it's like he's got that. In he his fucking doesn't in Born Legacy, which, which well, we've done yeah. an episode yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That movie. we see we see it in 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 the Hawkeye TV series. Yeah, we see it like like I'm just I just want I'm so I'm so tired. Yeah, because again another one of my choices, a strong contender I think it wouldn't have worked was Ryan Gosling, mm. largely based on the nice guys. Yes, I've made that exact same argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like because Gosling is funny. Yeah, and obviously uh, you know we're talking about just around just before Drive and mm. a lot of other stuff, and it's like this would be more um. Uh, place beyond the pines, kind of era. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, no. I, c- I can see Gosling as being one of those people who just doesn't want to do an MCU film. Oh, no. definitely. Yeah, no, I think yeah, he'd resist. Mm. You'd have to drag him in. Yeah. So, I'm gonna transition to me. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm next. That doesn't sum up you on sequels, and that. I've got nine. I'm gonna picks. segue to myself now. Yeah. Allow me to give you another pick. Allow myself to introduce to myself. myself. Yeah, so uh, this one is much, much, much more subtle, but requires that level of forethought and foresight. Mm. But just enough acknowledgement. That's all I'm asking for. The hint of a plan. And I know they can do this because they've done it multiple fucking times. So, at the end of Iron Man 3... Mm, Moving into phase two. mm, Exactly. We get AIM as a... Evil Force, which is a big thing in, in the Marvel Universe. Basically not touched upon in the MCU-ish. Not really, yet. And the Mandarin. And Trevor Slattery, yeah. <sighs> no, 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 let me, let me clarify that. <laughs> I don't mind that twist. I think Shane Black's script is funny. Same. I think that mm. works. I think and it, trawling it, the trailers, like, oh, why has he got a Captain America tattoo on his neck? Mm. It's like, fuck you, that's why. It's, it's trying to goad you because it's marketing mm. and terrorism. It's like, brilliant, love it. And it's also... It, it, Makes a clever commentary on the horrible, uh, like racism of the yeah. Mandarin in the comics, especially yep. like the older version of the Mandarin. Definitely, definitely. And I think that back to fucking Fraction again. Fraction's Invincible Iron Man. There's a part of that that has a Mandarin plot in it, mm. where he kidnapped. It's very much like North Korea style thing. Where yeah. He kidnaps a story, uh, an art, a director. I think it is or a story, yeah. a scriptwriter, saying like, "I want you to make a film about my life," and he talks about how it is, and then he's like. Actually, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. And it's just trying to set the record straight, kind of thing. My pick, it, my fix, is a simple one, but a far-reaching one. The end of Iron Man three, the final post-credit sequence. Everyone was like, "Oh fuck, is it Guardians? Are we going to see some Guardian stuff? Is it space stuff? Oh my god!" Mm. And it we've, was... we've essentially we're done with the build-up towards mm. the Avengers. What are we going to have now? Yeah, what's next? Space, space. It's the what's coming. Um, and it ended up being this really pointless throwaway conversation between uh, Banner and Stark. Oh, yes. yeah. It essentially is like, well, here's your justification for why Tony had a voiceover at the start of the film. Yeah. It's like, I don't need that. I understand what a voiceover is. He yeah. doesn't need to actually be talking to someone. Yeah, that, that, that makes it ten times worse. Yeah. <laughs> Especially he's like, oh, I, I, I go in to sleep. I'm like that kind of doctor. I was like, oh. And yes, it's like, oh, okay. You can do that really well when it's like, 
Homecoming with one of the best fucking post-credit yes. sequences with Cap. That's yeah. magnificent. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's just not only just a joke that's been established, but it's the running of that joke. Yeah. But. Also, Tony fucking knows he's not that kind of doctor. The first, literally the first thing he says to him in universe is like, I'm a huge fan of your work in physics. Yeah. He knows everything. <laughs> it's just dumb. It's just a bad joke. Precisely. So I'm replacing that. I'm replacing that effectively with the content of the one shot. Uh, all hail the king, long live the king. All hail the king. All hail the, hail the king. Yes, yep. yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm better replacing it with that. So we're going to see prison. We're going to see Slattery broken out of prison by someone saying, you took someone's name. You were going to fucking pay for that. Mm. The Ten Rings. The Ten Rings is matter, real. Yeah. yeah. I want to s- set the tone right away. And the thing is, I don't want that to let that go. I want the Ten Rings to be a presence. Mm. I want there to be returning things. So when we get to Shang-Chi, it's like, mm. fuck. Even if you do a Thanos where you see the back of somebody and you can see who it is, but you can't tell it's I was uh, Tony Leng. Something yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. You could so easily do that because even in films like um, in Ant-Man, when they're selling yes. the Ant-Man suit, they have a representative from Hydra there. Yes. Throw in a Ten Rings person. 100%. That's exactly what I yep. want. And just I have want, them. Yeah. I, I wish AIM was still around in the same way because yeah, I, yeah. I, I love AIM in the comics um, as, as villains. They're funny guys. Yeah. They uh, look like Fuck. beekeepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yellow, yellow beekeeper suits. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they show up again and we get uh, like a, uh, oh yeah, well, there, were, there were always multiple cells and it wasn't just Aldrich Killian. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. We diversified. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely do something like that. I think having that moment as a post credit scene also helps the as much as I don't agree with these people, the the nerdy fan backlash that was like, Oh, you've ruined the legacy of the comics and oh that's not the Mandarin. Aldrich Killian isn't the Mandarin and yeah. Trevor Slattery's mm. not the Mandarin. You ruined my childhood because I like Chinese stereotypes from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> mm. First of all, nobody gives a fuck about the Mandarin. Shut up. Yeah. Mm. And second of all, that fixes that problem and makes it way more coherent and yeah. more interesting. And I think, mm-hmm. again, it's those little ripples we're talking about, boys. Mm-hmm. Those little moments you brought yeah. up perfectly there, Tim. Having just be like, there's a representative from the Ten Rings. Like, Ten Rings, where do I have yeah. that name before? Oh, sh- oh, that's that guy. Mm-hmm. It, He's it an old Iron Man to, villain, right? It, like, yeah, oh my God. It tracks back to Iron Man 1. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I've always been here. Yeah. And, and it's th- that legacy style thing, because obviously with... with um, in Shang-Chi, the film itself. Yes, it is a personal father-son connection and one of the strongest of those father-son things in the MCU, to be honest. And one of the best, most elegantly sort of uh, portrayed. But if you are telling me this guy's been around hundreds of years, hundreds of years, yeah. and it's like, well, show me the legacy. Mm, yep. Show me the impact. And I want to see like uh, more examples of uh, films that do like go back in uh, earlier points in time, have flashbacks to other bits mm. and pieces. And you're like, there's also a Ten Rings presence. The Ten Rings has been here, but I want you to see the back of his head. I want you to see the you know the, the Thanos turning around sort of thing. That there's a guy. It it can literally be the the, the opening of Shang Chi is Tony Leung on the horse with the, the sort of almost Dynasty Warriors style look. Show me a hint <laughs> of that, but you don't see his face. So what you're building to isn't a Thanos. You're not like oh this is the big threat, but it's like this is a universe presence. It's the world building we're talking about, and I don't think that's unnecessarily um unreasonable to request. It's like, well, we'd have to know like 10, 15 years in advance. First things first, this is Feige in the MCU. That's what they're doing. Secondly, you film it in a way where you can use it or, or, or discard it as much as you want. It doesn't matter. If and it you're not off. necessarily casting Tony Lung at that point. No, you're not. Like, That's the whole point. Yeah, you have like from behind or just a hand or a, men- a mention of the, the name or something like that. But yeah. well, Mandarin, and you're like, hold Say, on. Mandarin, you mean Wenwu. Yeah, Wenwu Su or something like that. Yeah, yeah you're like, no. 
We already dealt with the Mandarin. I don't think you dealt with the Mandarin. Yeah. No, that's not how that worked. No, like, what you dealt with was a puppet, the figurehead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think tying that in would also help Shang Chi feel more connected as yes. well, because yes. as much as it does in certain ways, Shang Chi feels like kind of its own little corner of like it does. Here, mm. Here's here's the MCU from a different perspective. <laughs> like we said, you've got Wong and Abomination in there, and a couple of ties around and all that kind of stuff, mm. and obviously Trevor Slattery, as we mm. mentioned. And his weird little faceless flying pig monster. Morris. Or Morris. Maurice. Morris. Whatever Morris. It's Morris. Yeah. But having that little sprinklings and those little ripples, just connecting everything a little bit more and, again, making villains matter a bit more. Giving the villains a bit more legacy and a bit more kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we did talk about him before. I do recognize that name. And if you're really paying attention, like so many of us do in the MCU, I know, you know the three of us have seen basically every <laughs> MCU movie. I haven't seen Eternals yet as of the recording of this podcast, but mm. and Spider-Man No Way Home comes out again very soon in the recording of this podcast and all that kind of stuff. But like, there are lots of us who are paying attention to that kind of stuff. And whether you're a comic book nerd or not, and you know about the Ten Rings and all that kind of stuff, that build up to Shang-Chi is just a little bit spicier, a little bit more interesting yeah. with that little bit more interconnectedness. And I think mm. that works really well. As we said in the previous episode, it's not... People like continuity. Yes, And they entirely. like fe- that feeling of being smart. And I think... Ner- us nerds love that continuity. Yeah. yeah. Love it. And, not, and not just nerds is the thing. Well, is yeah. that, you People know... People like watching soap operas and going, oh, I re- shit, I so-and-so's re- back. Yeah. Who's that? Oh. They were here 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Everyone's a nerd for something. I thought he died. Oh, yeah. he fell into a river. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, that's his son. He grew up. <gasps> oh, my God, it's Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is Harry? <laughs> well, if you're watching 20 years ago, nobody fucking <laughs> no. was. I was. That's Harry in the Ten Rings. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, so I, 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 I approve this idea, um, and I think sequelizers approved, ladies and gentlemen. I think you could get away with it with just two casual mentions. I would put yeah. one in Ant Man, where I, where we said the the bind the Ant Man suit. Yep, and I would throw one in Black Panther, Very in good. the casino scene. Very good. Um, mm. and have them be one of the people who are like there to maybe buy vibranium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I like. That. And you can also just throw in a casual uh, thing of like. Wakanda knows about the Ten Rings. Like they have, they've kept yeah. an eye on that shit. They've never crossed our borders. They've never crossed them. It's yeah. Like, mm. It's like because that's the Wakanda thing, and especially in Black Panther. The, well, I said the first one. We haven't seen the second mm. one yet, but you know what I mean. That's the idea. It's like isolationism. It's like there are big threats out there. It's like yeah, we know about the Ten Rings. Yeah, and yeah, Wakanda yeah. being so isolated is a huge theme and part of the kind of key learning point for T'Challa in that first mm-hmm. film, and. The same thing is true for the magical city and stuff in yeah. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Like, they learn to be like, you know you don't have to live in this magical little mystical thing from Death Forest, right? You, yes. Can, <laughs> yes. you can actually, like, open your borders and learn how to communicate with the outside world. Oh, my yeah. God, that's a cell phone, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can have that work in a similar kind of way, and I think Black mm-hmm. Panther is a very well, nice Black suggestion. Because Black Panther, you get some first introductions to Black Panther in Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and then you get it again through Civil War, and then find mm-hmm. Black Panther. It's the idea of teasing yeah, they these things Yeah, Wakanda, in. and you're like, yeah. and yeah. all the nerds go, Where's this? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, where's like, this going? It's vibranium. We have to get like, only one, the only part that exists on Earth. It's like, there are elements of these things, and it makes everything richer mm, because yeah. of it. And mm. a lot of comics have operated that way for a long time. You go back to like Claremont's run on X Men. Like, mm. There was so much stuff where it was just like you'd get a page teasing a thing, yeah, and then it wouldn't come back for twenty issues. And and that is very much like a, a comic mindset. You go back to the yeah. uh, Walt Simonson Thor run, where it starts with. 
the, the, the crafting of the the twilight blade which oh, doesn't so then come back for so long but it's just this oh, doom 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 off in yeah. the darkness in space it's great some, some of the i know this is dc uh, some of the best Green Lantern stories are the same thing. It's like something. Like, mm. what, what the fuck is this? Mm. Because it's a police procedural. So you start with this thing and then mm. go, and this is why it's relevant. Oh shit! <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. a storytelling. That's just that's yeah. just so in the seats over a you, long period of time. You bring it back just when people are starting to forget about it. So people yep. are, oh, I remember that, and then yep. you let it go for long enough that it fades away and it doesn't become obvious. Mm. Just that I ebb think, and flow of it. Yeah, lovely I little think, peaks and troughs. I think it'd be more satisfying than as we said before. Fine, I'll do it myself. I'll breathe the stars in your blood. It's like all the Thanos building. Uh, Thanos building is fantastically. I'm um, just a digression for a second because it, it was a point in time where like Thanos is annoying me now because he's doing nothing. Do something, yeah. And then when he arrives, it's going to be too hyped. But thankfully, good fuck, that's an amazing performance. Yeah. yeah. So nothing needs to be fixed. Good there. fuck indeed, Matthew. Yeah. Good fuck. <laughs> good fuck. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the idea that you tease these things, I would say Thanos was teased badly over the period of time because it became almost annoying so the they blue balls this for a bit didn't they very much so yeah. and the whole background stuff i think would build quite nicely yeah mm. also the one in age of ultron makes no sense because ultron is not at all connected to thanos so why would he go fine i'll do it myself it means nothing yeah it means nope. nothing nope nope so bouncing from me to jack hello I, i've touched on it a couple of times i just think it's it, the thing that a lot of people saw us talking about the mcu and you're like you're going to fix all the dark world, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> maybe the my least favorite MCU movie. Like, it's an, just, an entirely reasonable choice. It's, yeah, so, it's, worth, it's one of the weakest, easily. It's so, like I said, it's so dour and so kind of like grim and just... And again, tying into the villains, like I said, this is kind of a key theme throughout my three picks here. Mm-hmm. Making Hammer a key, a bigger player in Iron Man 2 and having him more of the focus. It's, uh, maybe we can make Malekith vaguely interesting because he's fucking not in the original movie. <laughs> so basically, funny enough, you're touching on Patty Jenkins there. She was the original director for Thor The Dark World. Mm. I think she's a much more interesting choice than Alan Taylor. Whether she'd do it or not, because she left because of creative differences. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to have her. Bear in mind, this is what? The year after Wonder Woman, I believe, or the year before Wonder It's around the similar sort of time as Wonder Woman, so we're. We're pretty close around there with the Dark World and stuff. Mm, weird. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It feels like so much longer ago. Um, but yeah, I think maybe if she would keep Patty Jenkins on and what her original version was is more of a kind of Romeo and Juliet thing, carrying on from Branagh's kind of Shakespearean thing in the first one. Yes. And kind of twisting it so that Jane is the fish out of water rather than Thor being on Earth. Yeah. Jane goes to Asgard and have that be an interesting thing and you get to learn more about Asgard because yeah, we see we, bits of that. Yeah. As we talked about previ- on the previous episode, we touch on Asgard a couple of times throughout the MCU, but you never really get to meet the other Asgardians that aren't mm. the Warriors and Thor and Loki, Odin and Frigga. That's it, basically. And then mm. suddenly, like, you know, there's like a hundred of us on a ship, right? And like, Some who, the, who are all these refugee uh-huh. people? Oh, there's Heimdall, yeah, yeah. And then. Um, that yeah. background guy, mm-hmm. and oh, I've seen him in a thing. He was in mm-hmm. that TV show. Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like... Sifts somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> sure. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. I guess. Sure. Yeah, all this <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I want to redo Thor The Dark World, and Malekith and the comics is very different to the one we get in Thor The Dark World. Thor The Dark World, and uh, bless Christopher Eccleston, as much as I like him, it's a weird, weird performance. <laughs> 
It's just, it's, just, just bland it fucking nothingness. It feels like he's given up at one point. It, re- it really mm. does. It feels like Which if, he did I mean, not want to be in this movie and they were like, kind of like we were saying earlier, like trying to drag Ryan Gosling into an MCU movie. <laughs> He'd probably just be like, I'll do fine, it, but you won't get fine. much out of me. I'll do it myself, but no. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it feels like after, you know, rebuilding and resurging interest in Doctor Who, he became like a nerd icon again bringing back like the ninth doctor and all that kind of stuff and then he was like oh i'm gonna be going to fucking comic book conventions for the rest of my life i guess i'll do this marvel thing oh, fucking hell mm. and then oh he's in a marvel thing and he's rubbish you're like but you were re- you were quite good in doctor who like you 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 can be really good in stuff mm. where where was christopher eccleston so malekith in the comics is in a similar way that i was touching on hammer being the dark version or like the, you know, Tony Stark that could have happened. He's kind of the Loki that could have happened. Yes. He is Loki without the family tying him down and without Tom Hiddleston making him incredibly sexy and yeah. charismatic and mm. all that kind of stuff. He is uh, still charismatic, still manipulative, still evil and conniving and all that kind of stuff, mm. but doesn't have Thor to kind of be like, brother, come and help mm. me with this mm. thing. I can see good in you, brother, and all that bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's even... Ca- he's kind of Thor's Joker in a lot of ways. Pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. We mentioned exactly. in the previous episode, that's very yeah. obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jared Leto, right? Jared Leto. No, I, I, th- I think <laughs> you could make Eccleston work. Mm. I don't know. You could. You could. I, I think, yeah, I think... Eccleston, st- bad crow. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Bad Conan. Bad, bad Conan. Bad Conan. I think he could, could do a crime. He'd play it like he did in 28 Days Later. But this is a conversation yes, for another, another time. time. So yeah. I'm not necessarily recasting Malekith. I'm thinking about changing the plot and the, I, the path I, I of I the would. film in general. I, I think the script is more important than necessarily oh, changing no, no, you're the actor. Oh, you're entirely correct. Yes, yes. You fundamentally change that character and how the Dark Elves are portrayed and mm. what he looks like and all this bollocks. Because, again, he's like a purple-skinned, long, white-haired, like kind of sexy dude in the comics mm. make Eccleston kind of ham it up a bit more yes. and give him stuff to do mm. which is what he does in Doctor Who like again mm. Doctor Who is mm. only you know five six seven years earlier mm. have him play a bit more of the like silly sci-fi bollocks so yeah we have a bit more of Asgard I think that matters to set it up and make the Ragnarok thing feel more again I'm kind of laying the groundwork very much like I was doing with Hammer making the whole Ragnarok thing seem more potent and more important to the viewer because like oh there's a there's all the survivors of Ragnarok and like who the fuck are these guys you killed all of the main characters yeah. <laughs> and also there's Thor that other bloke and then a bunch of other but Sif has fucking disappeared and Zachary Levi's off doing fucking Shazam and stuff so we can't get him back so better oh, kill yeah. him quickly all this kind of stuff so um yeah have a bit more of the Asgard stuff and have Malekith, and this ties into uh, a series, again, fairly recently in in Marvel continuity, called War of the Realms, which is a lot of people, basically people, the rulers of the various realms, the nine realms, hate Odin, because Odin's a dick, and all credit to Sir Anthony Hopkins, Odin's a dick (laughs) in the MCU as well. It's brilliant how he's he's very much the embodiment of that character, like... um... When it's revealed, like, oh, I kept everyone in line. It's like, yeah, because yeah. you were an asshole. That's yeah. what they revealed with, through with um... Hela in Ragnarok. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think setting up that a bit more in Dark World and ha- and not necessarily like you can still have that big reveal, you know, that he was a ruthless guy, but have Malekith be like 
haven't we all had enough of Odin? He's basically ruling us under the nine realms, right? Like, mm. why don't a couple, you know, I've got some dark elves that are off in our own Svartalheim, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, sure. How about you guys from that so-and-so Heim and you guys from other Heim? How about we, how about we fight back and basically have this like yeah. uniting of some of the different realms and a rebellion against Odin and that kind of stuff? I can see the whole uh, we uh, kill the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, pretty it's much, like, yeah. I want yeah. half. Well, it, essentially, it takes where Thor: The Dark World starts off is that they're fighting in different they're realms. Fighting, yeah. They're fighting in and different he realms because, loses. The, because the Rainbow Bridge has been destroyed, yes. so Odin hasn't been able to enforce. Order. You read my mind, Tim. Yep. Yeah. You read my mind. So it takes that. I rewatched Thor: The Dark World yeah. the other. Oh God. <laughs> uh, the other day, or bits of it at least, I skipped through a lot of bollocks. Sure. But you are totally right that that opening scene is really what drew me in, and I was like, "This is an entire Thor film in the first like six minutes of this movie. It is way more interesting than the rest of this bollocks." Yeah. And I think again, we're setting up and kind of planting seeds and stuff. The fucking MCU. That's what we're going to be doing. Um, we'll build it, motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. And have Malekith be like the bad influence to Loki in that Thor is trying to draw Loki back to the good side, and you can still end up with like Loki on the throne and all that kind of stuff, and Odin and the Odin sleep and all this kind of bollocks. Sure. I'm not changing the big continuity and keeping the ether as like the source of the Dark Elves' power. That works. I don't like mm. what it looks like. We'll probably change that. I mean, doesn't need to be it this big... It becomes a stone, so... Yeah, big swirling bollocks yes and stuff. Like, don't need to do that. But I think you could have... You can still have Jane interacting with it. Mm-hmm. I would maybe have that affect Jane more directly. And then... to Thor, Lady Thor stuffs. Yes. Mm. Set up her... So, again, I'm not saying spoiler alert. Fuck you, read the comics. Mm-hmm. Jane Foster is terminally ill when she becomes Thor in the comics. Mm. And she is proven to be worthy and all this kind of stuff. And becomes what many people call Lady Thor. She's straight up Thor. Oh, I know. She is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think her interaction with the ether in here could set up like a long-term health issue that then leads to, as we now know, Natalie Portman yeah. coming back, mm, setting up, idea. setting up yeah. Jane Foster and having her be more of an important character mm-hmm. and tie her into that because we're not getting her in Ragnarok. That's fine. But yeah. if you have her be a more integral part of Dark World and have her interacting with Asgardians learning more about magic and all this stuff, interacting with the ether in a way that gives her cancer or however you want to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be that explicit, but setting up her learning more about Thor's world rather than another cup of coffee, blah, and all that kind of stuff. You can then, again, have that kind of humor. It changes the tonality. You don't have this fucking dour thing. You have her wandering around these gold palaces and commenting about like, how do you ever like Earth? You live in literal paradise. This yeah. is amazing and all this kind of... Look, there's Matt Damon over there. How can you not be hanging out with Matt <laughs> nice. Damon? And I think, yeah, having Odin disapprove of Jane as well. Mm. Again, setting up Odin to be this asshole. Mm. And he has been a father figure. And even you have that moment in Ragnarok, I think, again, you can tease that here where Malekith is like, you look up to your father, but he's been oppressing us for thousands mm. of years, oppressing us for millennia. Mm-hmm. He's not a perfect man, mm. Thor Odinson, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. What and- right does Asgard have to rule over us? Exactly. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly mm-hmm. put there, Tim. Exactly. Laying those seeds, planting the ground, planting the ground, laying the groundwork and planting the seeds for what's going to come in Ragnarok, what's going to come in Love and Thunder and beyond. Again, I'm setting up for like phase four shit here with Jane Foster as well. I think Dark World is such a missed opportunity to do all of this stuff 
again, you don't necessarily have to kill Malekith. I actually quite like the idea of Odin killing Malekith mm-hmm. and having him be the one that delivers the killing blow because he's fucking Odin. And it's like his last moment before he like collapses into the Odin sleep coma kind of thing. Mm. He uses yeah. his last grasp of energy and Thor is like... Mm. Or it weakens him enough that then Loki can take him out and supplant him ready perfect, for Ragnarok. Perfect. Mm. Yeah, it's his last like moment of magical energy and then Loki's like, I'm, I'm sneaking in here, I'm gonna... And yeah. you can still have the final shot of like Loki claiming the throne and mm. stuff like that. But having Odin be the one deliver the killing blow and showing Thor that like he is a man of war, he is mm. he has been oppressing all this stuff, it adds a nice little bittersweet thing to then the interactions they have on the the, the Welsh countryside, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> on, on the on in the, that field, in that field, on that cliff, on that yeah. bench, just hanging out and chatting and stuff. I think it adds more emotional weight. I would probably tweak the script in Ragnarok as a result of that ever so slightly, and have them kind of discuss all of that stuff. But I think Thor: The Dark World could be a much more interesting building block in growing Thor as a character, building Jane as a character, having Malekith more important to Loki's kind of progress and seeing, like, if I go down this dark path, that's what I could become. Turning him into the quote-unquote hero that we see in the the TV series Loki, you know, where he's trying to save the universe and stuff. It, it, It plants seeds for so many things that I think could work down the way. Yeah, I think it it makes for an interesting kind of stepping stone because in the first Thor film you have the Frost Giants and we start off with them like oh they they come down to earth they kill a bunch of humans they do horrible things yeah, you know yeah, they, yeah. they 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 wreak they wreck havoc yeah um but we have the moment at the end where like Loki essentially tries to destroy their planet and it's like well no we 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 don't let them go out and cause chaos but we also don't Kill all of them. Yeah. We're not going to genocide them, but they're clearly like bad dudes. And then in this film, you would you could have Malekith essentially getting the potentially oppressed, you know, people of the other the, the rest of the nine realms mm-hmm. fermenting rebellion, and have the idea of like, well, this dude is bad and has nefarious like aims, but also like he might also have some legitimate points, and there are some the people who you know. Who are agreeing with him have grievance, legitimate grievances against yeah. Asgard. Yeah, and then you get Ragnarok, where it's like, oh yeah, no, Asgard was an imperial power. Like, yeah, it's it's the classic. Um, uh, you a lot of Western Europe, and oh fuck it, most empires, all empires, mm, yeah, pretty much. mostly Western Europe and and um and America. Like, yeah, you've done a lot of awful shit, and you need mm. to really address the fact that yes, there's some. Very. Uh, we won World War Two, Matthew. <laughs> Single-handedly. Moral pass for the rest. It was England and America, <laughs> and no one else. Yeah, and America helped just a bit at the end. Yeah, no, no, no. They solved everything. They fixed the whole problem mm-hmm. according to them. But, but yeah. <clears throat> so the idea of like, no, 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 no. You're not the heroes you think you are. You drop fucking a bombs on people, and like, yeah, we did do that. It's like uh, mm. we have to be about nukes. magical you're atomic bombs. Have, yeah, yeah, you're the ones who've mm. used them. You fucking. That, I'm not. I'm just saying that you know. It can be a relatable way for an audience to engage with it, yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing, like we could pick apart the thaws of the the thaws, the flaws of Thor, uh, the thaws of flaw. Yeah, uh, the dark the world uh, all day. But I think because there are bit, I think the the interactions that Jane has, the little bit she has on Asgard, some of them are pretty badly written. But but in general, I like that stuff. I like I like that I Odin do clearly doesn't approve of her. I like that um, uh, Frigga, Frigga, Frigga gets yeah. on with her and stuff like that. There's some really interesting stuff there. 
And like you say, it gives us more of an insight into what Asgard looks like yes. day to day. I think you said, Matt, in the previous I episode. I like the world like, building stuff. I like how it looks. Yeah. yeah. The aesthetic's nice. One of the problems that Dark World has is the scale of it is absolutely huge when you look at the threat. Like, it is a universe-ending threat that they and then, deal with. Yeah. we end up on the but Gherkin it, in London. Yes, like, but it feels right. tiny. Yes. Mm, um, yeah. And I think if you, if you scaled it much further back and just say, it's not really, like, what Malekith represents is, like, the end of the status quo for the nine worlds. There we go. That's a much more, it's still a big threat. And, Which you recently, know, Earth didn't even know was a thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's a threat to Asgard. It's a, a threat, and he's dealing with the reality stone so that, He's very powerful. He could come back and get revenge and, you know, it's tied into Jane, you know, so that's a personal stakes to it. But it, it doesn't feel so absurdly huge that it kind of boggles the brain because they, essentially, like, they're an even bigger threat than Thanos. Yep. And they're dealt with in the worst <laughs> Marvel film in an incredibly, like, simple, straightforward way. The, the, they just have a fight in London like yes. it's any old fucking and then, job. And Thor just hits him with a big lightning blast, and that's yep. enough to do it. Yeah. He should have gone for the head. <laughs> yeah. He just hit him with lightning, even though that never works again against any other MCU villain. No. Yeah. Because it can't, otherwise Thor would just, Thor would just Superman yeah. and just solve all <laughs> yeah. the problems, basically. What are you, the god of hammers? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do have... Uh, a name for you. Oh, please do. So, I also, I uh, having he- having said, I think Chris Eccleston could still work. The, the, like I said, nothing is mm. set in stone. This is no, the joys yeah. of the collaborative. I only think thing because if we're talking about bringing people back, I think Eccleston's going to be like Hugo Weaving. Your version, people go, oh, I really like that, and you're never going to see him again. Mm. And it's like that's really frustrating me now. I'm happy, to, like I said, I, I think oh, killing Malekith yeah. off might actually be a good idea. Yeah, what, yeah. with Odin being but with the one multiverse that stuff, it's like can we bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so my name, I I can guarantee Tim and I have very different Jared names. Lita. No, my actor is Konstantin Kabetsky. My favorite. Yeah, Konstantin mm. Kabetsky is uh, most notably the lead actor, the Anton, in Nightwatch. He's a Russian. Oh, oh that guy. Okay. Yeah. And he's in Wanted and a few other bits and pieces because yeah, he's yeah. Timmy Bookmember top mm. again. But like, and it sounds like a silly sort of obvious move, making him Russian <laughs> against a very British American kind of thing <laughs> mm. gives it a, a very old, simple signaling. Mm. So suddenly the conversations go from who is he to who is he to move over these realms? Yes. We have all had time. It's, it's, it's like, it's the my board, but good because it's an actual <laughs> fucking Russian. Yes. And he looks like old loki he looks like he could be a loki because he's got he's 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 a you know he played he's played charming roles in the past mm. and, and especially in like in russian films he played uh he played trotsky in a film in america in, in russia once and um there's an opens with a train scene he gets a, like this this scantily clad woman's and like he's in all the leather going i can't remember what he says exactly it's like you know uh thank you you can leave now and it's like trotsky i don't, I don't know man i feel like he had a different kind of presence to this Lothario character here. But the point is that he's a good actor. He's got a good range. He's done at this point American TV, American films and stuff like that. So he has a I can do an English role kind of thing. If you kill him off five, you don't know. And it just makes him a very different presence in this universe, I think. He also, he's not going to be just another British actor doing a big booming voice. I think he'd have much more of a squirrely personality and be mm. quite interesting. Because again, everything he is in Nightwatch and, and Daywatch replays this this um sort of it's very complicated but sort of magical vampire is the best way to put it kind of, kind yeah, of a thing yeah. is and he's so strung out most of the time and i think that, that could give such an interesting squirrely energy to the whole thing yeah very very different 
because again it's the it's like how do you put something opposite thor you don't have another big burly dude we've had the destroyer you have we need another who's... handsome crit ah shit we've run out of damn yes yeah, so you have something that's like just weird and different in the same way that you know in ragnarok you get jeff goldblum being kind of weird and kind of yeah, yeah 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 what's what's your name tim my name is very different yeah i figured my name is a name that people were more likely to recognize <laughs> i mean it's a map pick that's, and tim that's pick. on brand yeah yeah i was thinking okay we kind of want that more bigger energy mm-hmm. more anarchic mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. Who, who do i think could do that well sam rockwell oh. mm. and then i was looking at like who okay what are big films around this time well, the twilight films have just finished up oh, 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 oh. hang on hang on here let's we have go listen, let's have a listen michael sheen yes too. yeah there it is Fuck yes Michael Sheen, yes, please. I'm a Welsh elf. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hopkins, Sheen, Welsh off. Yeah. Yep. Suddenly, uh, Odin's has, has Alec, reta- has Alec yeah. returned to sequelize? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's Welsh. It's a beautiful casting. I love, it, say, I love it. I love it. He's got silly hair. Yep. <laughs> we know he can rock a ridiculous wig. <laughs> yeah. And again, he, he, just I'm him in uh, the Underworld films, acting like dogs. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's got compelling. Or, or yeah. uh, you know, bring in some of that Tron legacy energy. Oh, that's too much energy. Mm. The weird Charlie Chaplin Bowie. Mm. <laughs> that's a pass from me. Oh, dear. Yeah. Christopher Lambert. Well, up for some Michael. Oh, 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 oh. Actually, Lambert. <laughs> Fucking Lambert as Malekith. We have nice. gone to Alec this time. This, oh, this sure. is too Alec. He did insist that like, the final fight is like, you, you may have a hammer, but I have a katana. Yeah. <laughs> I am also blind. Like, yes. I can't see you at all, but I can smell you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I decided that the dark elf's power is smelling. Like, Thank you. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> no, that's, that's not your line. Well. Yeah, no. I, Mike I, Sheen. Yeah. I'm up for that. that cool. Good. Yeah, yeah, good show. Very cool. Good this week's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals is there anything that interferes with your happiness? You can check betterhelp.com to get help from a professional licensed therapist. I know I've struggled with mental health in the past and, and certainly still do now going forward. You know, it's been a tough old couple of years in the world. So I think a lot of people are going to be needing more and more help as we hopefully come out the end of this pandemic and the last difficult sort of 18 months or two years or so. And this also means you don't have to go and see a therapist in person. With BetterHelp, you can connect to safe and private online environments and you can start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counselling done securely online. You can send a message to your counsellor anytime and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video and phone sessions around you, your work and your life. You can get access to affordable, that is more affordable than traditional offline counselling, and financial uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and financial aid is also available. The service is available for clients worldwide, so any listeners out there, you're welcome to go and check it out. You can go to betterhelp.com slash listener, that's our link in the show notes, and if you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash listener. You can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health and going to betterhelp.com slash listener. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash listener. So speaking of Thor, hammers, not the dark world, thankfully. <laughs> Maybe some elves, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Definitely elves and stuff. My recommendation for this week's sponsor, Audible, is going to be the Norse mythology book by Neil Gaiman. 
I absolutely adore this book. And if you would like to read it, you can go to audibletrial.com slash sequel. You get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook. And I'm recommending this one because I read it a few years ago. Funny enough, I read it when God of War came out, the fourth God of War in a way, fifth God of War, however you <laughs> want to put it, in 2018. Because that ties into North mythology really nicely. And I was like, I don't know that much about Norse mythology. I want to get into it. And this book came out around about that sort of time. It is a, a, quite a taut read at six and a half hours, but it is a r- modern kind of telling, not in a modern setting, but written recently by the one and only Neil Gaiman, writer of Sandman and American Gods and loads of fantastic fantasy novels and comics and stuff. The Eternals back in the day. Um, yeah. All this stuff. And he reads it himself. Neil Gaiman has a very soothing, pleasant voice to listen to. And yeah, it delves into kind of for quote unquote the real Norse mythology. So you learn about the actual Norse Thor and Norse Loki and all this kind of stuff and learn what an arrogant warmongering dickhead actual Thor quote unquote <laughs> actual Thor was. And he yeah. was ginger. And he was ginger, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a warmongering, arrogant ginger dude, not lovable Chris Hemsworth, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a really interesting take on that kind of like mythology and those gods and that pantheon and all that kind of stuff. And I learned a lot, really enjoyed the audiobook, and yeah, highly recommend it if you are into the Thor films and you thought, maybe I want to dive into some actual Norse mythology stuff, go and get a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash sequel and checking out Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. So my last pick is similar to Jack's in that it is a script overhaul, mm. but I'm going, I'm going a bit bigger. And, and much requested. Like People talk about us fixing the MCU. Thor the Dark World mm-hmm. and this film come up as we get we get tweets about these movies. That's how like requested these are. Yeah. Avengers Age of Ultron. Yay! Finally. <laughs> yeah. What Here a we, mess that is. Here we is. are. Here we are. Um I'm gonna walk you through some changes, some suggestions, throw it to you guys. We're gonna cross examine it. See what we can do. It's not gonna be a full on pitch, obviously. It's just gonna be some bits to highlight. There are things in that film that I really like. There are things in that film I fucking hate. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same here. I like the Hulkbuster fight. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. We all wanted to see, you know, a Hulk um, Iron Man showdown. Go to sleep, great. go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's the classic spin out tooth. Sorry. There's uh, the moments <laughs> of comedy that work really well. Cap does. He's there. He's fine. He moves the hammer slightly. That, huh? the, okay. We talk about the that party that bit. bit's the best yeah. bit. The party bit's the best bit. Yeah. Um, and the pipe bit is undercut by another great bit, which is Spader coming in in the janky fucking suit around the world. Iron so. Man puppet. Exactly. Great. Also, um, we get Vision. And again, um, Jarvis becoming Vision and Paul Bettany in both roles. Brilliant. Works magnificently. Absolutely uh, brilliant. There's no way they thought that when they had Paul Bettany as Jarvis in Iron Man 1. No, God, no. no. But like... Think to think that Vision would be in his own TV series later oh, on. Yeah. yeah, Paul Bettany in full Vision makeup the whole time and changing colors and outfits and yeah. stuff. Ah oh, man, brilliant idea. Yeah. Fucking Paul Bettany. Yeah, great, great stuff. We, we also get Wanda and and Pietro. Yeah, yeah. And they do. I'm going to. Be and we didn't little, see that coming, right, guys? I'm be a little controversial. Mm. Going to keep Pietro's death in there. Okay. Only because so he can be in my Conan uh, movie he in the singular universe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. 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 It, it, only because him getting fridged, for lack of a better word, fucks Wanda up. 
Yeah. And that means she has mm. to turn to people quicker. Mm. And I think that works nicely because we the, the one that we have now is really interesting and really yeah. strong. She's, she's one of the more kind of like three-dimensional MCU characters I think at yeah. the moment. Because, she said some development. because she's had so much trauma <laughs> and development through WandaVision and the trauma of losing her brother, all that building now and... Apparently, she. You probably know this already, listeners, because you're in the future for us. Yeah. You're in. You're in the next year. You're in phase six. <laughs> you're. Oh my god. Uh, she's also very heavily rumored to be in Doctor Strange in some form or another. In and, some yeah. form yes, or another, yes. possibly as the villain, possibly as some multiversal madness. So yeah, in in the madness of the multiverse, whatever the fuck that film is called, in the mountains of the multiverse of madness. Raimi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're probably going to tie into that as well. So I think. That totally makes sense. Keeping that mm. initial trauma that kind of sends her down that dark yeah. path mm. is is makes also sense. because my Hawkeye is Chris Pine. We don't want him to die. Yeah, yeah. don't do the whole bullshit with the family and set him up as. Oh, the well, thing. let's get to let's, that. Oh, yeah, no. let's get get into right. it. First thing to change. Whedon's gone. Good makes sense. Good. Yeah. Good. I had a lot of ideas. Um, I thought, well, should I preemptively bring people forward? Should I do things we've already had in the past? Zack Snyder. Coming from you, Jack, that is a sound suggestion. Uh-huh, yeah. But I inter- it's a sarcastic I suggestion. I don't know entirely to get a face value. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going Brad Bird. Oh. Incredibles mm. Mission Impossible Brad I'm Bird. I'm pumping the oh, air, Ghost Protocol Brad Bird. Fucking I, love Brad Bird. Yeah. I think he's... I mean, by doing this, he couldn't do Tomorrowland. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't like Tomorrowland. <laughs> what a, it's what a his worst film. I do not like Tomorrowland. Yeah, agreed. Well, I, so had Brad, I had Brad Bird direct one of my sequels or prequels at I one point. I think you have at some point, yeah. yeah. I fucking love Brad Bird. Great, just, Disney can push it down the line and just be, that can be his, you know, inception to get him to make Dark Knight Rises <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you'll still get to make your terrible Weird theme ride park film. Yeah. film that doesn't actually get to be about theme parks. Yes. What you, a weird Go do that movie, movie later. Ugh. Yeah. Do our Avengers film. It's like, you only have to do one. You don't have to come back. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll do one. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, because... Yeah. I, 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 Is there uh, going to be someone stood by with like... I don't know, like a broom and like a squirty water thing to make sure that he doesn't put any like objectivist libertarian bullshit in his script. No, I think there's going to be some of that in there, but it's going to come from someone like Ultron. He's like, no, dickhead, because you're, <laughs> oh, you're wrong. Gonna, you're going to get Ultron is right, people, aren't you? Oh, oh no. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost sort of, it's part of the reason why I picked him. Yeah, you have to pick someone who's kind of manic. Yeah. But at the same time, he gets group dynamic and team mm. stuff. I think he'd be a good choice. Um, he doesn't have to hang around to do 50 fucking films. The other one I was going to get, because I think he'd add a bit of levity to this very dour movie. Mm. He could make a dour movie quite easily, but I think he could make mm. it a bit more fun. Mm. Um, my other choice was Sam Mendes and scrapping mm. him on Spectre. Mm. But I think Don't Mendes like Spectre like be, Sam Mendes. I think Mendes would be, make it far too dark. Yeah, I can't. I yeah, think you need I don't that think level he'd of be humor. a good fit. No, I, I think, think Bird I think works. That's what I'm saying. I, need, I was like, oh, Mendes would be good. I don't know. Bird is the one I think could be bring enough personality to it. So, first things first. In the Captain America Winter Soldier post credit sequence, we are introduced to Wolfgang, Wolfgang von Strucker mm. by Thomas Kreshman. Great yeah. actor. Fucking great. Up there with crossbones with people who shouldn't be killed uh, off in um, complete waste. 100% agreed. Yes. So painful because it's like, oh, wow, great. Another huge high oh, agent. Strucker from up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is he going to get the fucking devil's claw or whatever it's called and yeah. fight fury? Fuck no, yeah. he's going to get killed off screen. He's uh. going to be whomped out within the first two minutes of the movie. He's set up as basically the villain. And then is disposed of in the in the opening act. I, I do like, like oh. that opening scene on Age of Ultron. That's but fine. Not how it ends, yeah. like the 
having them be the Avengers and fight and have the cool slow-mo jumps and stuff. Sure. Like, a bit of a James oh, Bond opening. It's basically. cold open in snow yeah. and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. But... So we build to that. That's not the open. The cold open is going to be addressing the fact that these people have been apart for a long time. Mm. So my opening is actually the party. Oh, cool. It's a very okay. different opening, which Ultron isn't involved in. Ultron doesn't break up the party at that point. But they're there because it's a downtime. It's like, this is a very different kind of feel. It's like, because it's them coming back and recapping what's happened. We mentioned in the previous mm. thing about how Ultron starts off and it's like, do you guys remember what happened in your individual movies, respectively? <laughs> how everything is up in the air for you people? Mm. It's like, no, we're all buddying around. It's like, why? Why are you? There's no, I don't understand. All this has happened off screen. You're not doing enough to cover it. So you build up this whole idea of them regrouping, basically, and launching into the Strucker mission planning it, going into it. And I don't mean like a huge amount of stuff, but enough to make it feel like it's a thing. And then through that, it becomes the idea that the Scepter's there. You get the I, the twins are still there. That's still a thing. Strucker is apprehended rather than just offed. Stark still goes down his crazy suit of armor and the world. And he, and he builds mm. on the whole hammer thing. Again, there's all ties together, build yeah. into civil war. Yeah. yeah. Because in our version of this, we have the, the idea that hammer and stain have been a presence in this universe and that ultimately ultimately there's uh, uh, mm. a pun Matthew. nope he's aware that he needs to build a prison he he's aware that he needs something and if he can't build a prison big enough to hold everybody he needs to build a, a, basically a police force and I like the idea in my version that Cap's on board with it because he's like I'm a military man I get it interesting but Hawkeye isn't ah. Hawkeye's like and this is Chris Pine Hawkeye this is Chris so Pine he's Hawkeye he's like, and, and again weirdly enough Natasha's also like, I don't think this is a good idea. Because they've seen, for want of a better phrase, Steve Rogers is like the American Boy Scout. He's the, yes. yeehaw America, America's great and stuff. Mm. And then it's Winter Soldier that sows those seeds for, yes. you can distrust people and organizations aren't necessarily what they mm. are on the face of things and that yeah. kind of stuff. This is fear, this is control. But yeah. Hawkeye and Black Widow know that already because they're fucking they're secret agents and mm, spies yeah. and stuff. They've seen the dark side of the government and what governments and corporations mm. and stuff can do. So Exactly. That's yeah, interesting. I, th- I yeah. think like I think it's tricky because you'll have had Winter Soldier, but I think you can sell Steve being on board by having him say like, well we took apart Shield because it was flawed. Mm-hmm. We but there still needs to be something. We need to put something in its That's place. That's exactly it. It's like you say, you know, and he'll give an analogy like the idea, you know, you take out a general, sure, but you still need that. Something needs to be there. Mm. The, you cut you know, off the head of Hydra, another one to yeah. grow in its place. The, yeah, the, the you've got to stop something out there. Yeah. yeah. And if it's not us, it needs to be something else. Mm. That kind of And it's the conversation, but again, it comes down to like, no, this is wrong. And again, especially considering um, Black Widow and Hawkeye are dealing with, we worked for Hydra. It's like, why don't you work the shield? No, 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 no. There was no shield as far as mm. we're concerned. It was always Hydra in a way. Mm. So on top of that, and out of that, we get the idea of this Ultron thing. Ultron comes through. It goes horribly wrong. Kind of just the events in the movie. Mm. Kills Jarvis. Fair enough. All mm. works fine. Tries to build a body for himself. However, because he knows he's going into a temporary, sorry, in a temporary body, going into this vibranium body, mm. i.e. vision, what becomes vision, mm. he um, doesn't need this fucking lip moving nonsense he just looks like Ultron from the fucking comics nice. he has a face Excellent. that lights up dun, 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 dun. Yeah. because that's more threatening that you can't read mm. his face that he's not human mm. he sounds like he's, he's not nearly as quippy as Whedon's version yeah, is yeah that's also important yeah. he's, he's why would the robot 
make quips. Yeah, e- everyone is quippy because it's Joss Whedon, mm. and yeah. Joss Whedon doesn't know how to do anything else. I would probably have him have a moment when he's talking to Claw because we start the Ulysses Claw stuff coming through and getting the vibranium. He would have a moment where he like makes a quip and he just understands says, that was a quip. I'm trying to be at your level. It doesn't matter. And it's like you know, it, but he, he could still be a calculating machine and realize that Claw is going to double cross him, so cuts his hand off. You still have bits and pieces that Linda. It just feels different for that reason. Struck is also going to be involved in that partly. Rather than just being arrested and being done away with, he's also been part of it, involved somehow, so that kind of thing. So it's not just that he's like, you know, taken away immediately. But yeah. So I have two or three other bits and pieces. Thor still needs to go, as in needs to depart the scene, but I want him to hint at Ragnarok properly at this thing. So he, the things that are in the deleted scenes of Ultron is he fucks off because he's like, oh, I need to, I've had this vision because mm. he's been warped by Wanda. Yeah. And he goes off and sees parts of Ragnarok. And obviously, you can't do that properly, can't do it. Who knows, fucking. Taika Waititi's film would look the way it would. Yeah. <laughs> but still seeing Serta basically smashing, you know. Yeah. I know how they work with Marvel. Like, well, they never give it all away. It's like, you don't have to give it all away. Just give me something and make it terrifying enough that he has to, he's, that he's pulled away from the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkeye don't have no family. Good. Good. There's no Hawkeye family. <laughs> Instead, in that moment, we have the Maximoff twins. Twi- twins? Maximoff twins. Because we're at that point, we're now two thirds of the way through the film rather than one third of the way through the film or halfway mm. through the film. The Maximoff twins leave Ultron's service because they right. thought it was the right path and they, they've already gone back. So They've that, already realised that he's, yeah. Yeah, he's wrong. So rather than d- crossing him the last minute because, oh, it's my homeland. Oh no, what a terrible thing. It turns around to be like, no, no, no. They turn sooner. So when Pietro dies, it's impactful for a lot of them rather right. than just one mm, of them. Yeah. And, and again, that's why you need the caps coming around with all like, you know, oh yeah, someone doing experiments on yourself to protect your country. No, I can't imagine anyone doing that. Mm. You know, he does get them basically. And that's that's all basically in there, um, and that would all work. So the, the the Avengers go to Sokovia to hide with the twins. Is that no, the no, idea? no? There's going to be uh, the middle sort of fight sequence stuff would be the the Wakandan. Uh, well, not Wakandan, but when they go to get the 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 um, vibranium, the stuff. vibranium. Thank yeah. you. Just adamantium. <laughs> the fucking vibranium. Can't say yeah. that out loud. No, I know. <laughs> we get the the, the vibranium. Mm. That's where Wanda would be like doing her yeah, twisting yeah. of images and stuff like that with Thor. But more importantly, that's where they get turned. That's where Ultron turns on them. Yeah. That's where she sees his true vision of what's, what's to come. Mm-hmm. And goes, oh, this is terrible. We can't yeah. help this. So Ultron goes off on his own and makes the vision thing. Mm-hmm. Or he tries to at least, and, you know, the cradle yeah. and so on and so forth. I don't, I want it to be clear that it's a real conflict for the Maximoffs to work with the Avengers because they hate everything they represent, but being talked around rather than just, and, and again, a Chris Pine Hawkeye conversation. It's like, look, kid, I, I, I get it. All right. I'm, I'm less powerful than you are. I'm getting beaten up. I'm throwing arrows and all that sort of stuff. But we're on the, we try to be on the right side. I was, we were all talked back and you go through and you talk about the legacy. Talk about how Iron Man really is. How he's just got over PTSD. You talk about how Cap is dealing with Bucky and how he's still trying to find his friend and he's dealing with that. You talk about how Thor has, in his eyes, lost his brother at this point. Mm. And possibly his father is a bit distant and weird. All this yeah. stuff is feeding into it. And he's, like, de- he's dealing with as the nine worlds falling apart apart, thanks to thanks to malik and stuff yeah exactly and so you have this bond of like oh they're not just this i mean again i'm pulling in the idea of military and and police representation bear with me in the idea that you hate what it stands for because you don't know the people yes there are always gonna be shitty versions but there's only like at this point six or seven avengers Mm. when these people get to know them and say yes that's why i'm doing this now i am atoning Mm. that's why i'm iron man because i know i made a Mm. mistake i am trying to fix that mistake Mm. That's that's at least where we're starting with the point. We also have, thanks to Jack's changes to Iron Man Two, mm-hmm. 
Tony would be they they could still associate Tony and still have the like the whole the Stark missile in their yes. house and stuff like that. But we've potentially moved Tony a little further away from the military industrial complex because Hammer is the one who represents it now. Entirely, entirely. And saying, I'm trying to protect you from these people. It's like you're doing a bang up job so far. That that kind of animosity. Because again, if you're talking about reflecting this uh, society back to the viewers, we're now, you know, in a sort of we need an exit strategy out of Iraq and Afghanistan. This isn't working. Um, at that point in reality, I think Osama bin Laden is dead. I'm not sure on the timing. I think on it's that 2013, one. 2014. Point point is that it's it's like they're just tired and they just don't want to be in this anymore. They don't want to be involved. And I think the idea that that's Osama bin Laden was killed in 2011. 2011. There you go. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's quite a while after that. Yeah. I, so, rem- I remember John Cena announcing it on yes. Raw. <laughs> he has been compromised to a permanent end. Yes. Oh, okay. There we go. PG Salute. WWE stuff. Yeah. 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 But that's the thing. So we'd have this idea of like, I just I, I don't want to be this. I want to get out. And then saying, okay, what well, you need to deal with us because we're the face of your con- the action. And like, yeah. Because that's what he's been doing this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you. you you kind of want to play up that angle, that tension between mm. them, which Age Voltron kind of wastes. When you look at it, up to that point, your Avengers, you've got Iron Man, weapons manufacturer, Captain America embedded in, you know, as much as he comes to kind of resist, you know, he's with soldier. soldier stuff, he still comes from that background. Banner was a military scientist. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye and Black Widow are spies from S.H.I.E.L.D. And Thor is the prince of the world he's come from. Scarlowitch and, and Quicksilver are the first people who are kind of working like, class. Working basically. class, yeah, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of yeah. They're not, origin. Yeah, then I mean, even or, if you're uh, about... and not embedded in those kind of institutions. Yes, and I know that's a silly thing to say. Like, oh, obviously Thor isn't American. It's like no, but he might as well be yeah. because <laughs> everyone else fucking is. He's also the first non-American, effectively, even if the actors are. And that's kind He's of... Australian, Matt. You think very much? <laughs> you know what I mean. But that's what I'm trying to say. It's, 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 it gives a bit of a different face to it in a way, and it's it yeah, really definitely. highlights that it's just like this is the and so if we have like the Sokovia Accords, it still has a thing that's an impact. I would still have Ultron drop Sokovia, but mm-hmm. only as a I'd say that, that he's starting to grow sort of emotional inside things, or like a calculated bitterness. It's like, oh well, they betrayed me. I've been betrayed for the first time. This is new. Well, I'm going to punish them. I will drop their hometown on. It's like what? What? Why would you do that? It's like why wouldn't I? It's it's a it's a good test. I think that's we sort of mentioned uh, in the previous episode. Like the Ultron is an interesting comics character because he's on one side he's a calculating machine who mm-hmm. wants to just e- exterminate human or biological life and replace it all with machines, and he's you know unthinking and and should be kind of that terrifying Terminator, unstoppable machine type of thing. But he's also like heavily rooted in Freudian daddy issues with yep. Hank Pym yeah. in the comics yep. and, and an obsession with family and stuff. So I like the idea of him, rather than being the quippy version from Age of Ultron that's yeah. like like that from the jump, the kind of having a slowly unraveling Ultron exactly. makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and just having like him as he you could almost do a thing of like as he's spreading himself over more and more bodies, he's getting more and more like flaws coming into the programming and replication. I would say it's copy of a copy of a copy, and it becomes yeah. the weakening mm. of the source. And he's like he's basically learning mania, and he's like splitting. He's like you know, he is having a crisis, but he doesn't know what it is, so he's just dealing with it in the weirdest possible way. Yeah. God, I can imagine James Spader doing that. Uh, as well. Precisely. Yeah. You better be keeping James Spader. Of course, I'm, I'm yeah. fucking foolish yeah, not exactly. to. Yeah, because yeah. as we talked about before, how much I love that trailer and the announcement and the mm. whole, you know, Pinocchio, yeah, there yeah. are no strings on me moment, all that kind of stuff. 
Spader's performance, in theory, is really fucking good and works for Ultron. When it works, it fucking excels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think having him be closer to the comic book Ultron makes so much more sense and I think would bolster and boost Spader's performance and allow him to tap into a little bit more and do something even more interesting. Yeah, Which also I'm then serves to show how Vision is the best version. Mm. Uh, yeah, because if you get the sense that he's, he's not kind of built to actually do this and he's slowly becoming crazier and crazier, and if he can get into the Vision body, he will kind of restore himself. And then to have that taken from him when they do, you it suddenly you, it, it pushes him even further to just be like, well, fuck this, then I'm going to drop a... You know. City on somebody. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's exactly it. And I think, and again, we know Spader sells that. Uh, we know we can see that working vision. And again, because it's Brad Bird, I see him elevating the team dynamic better mm-hmm. when they're all yep. doing stuff. I could see, rather than just jumping in the way of some bullets, I could see the Quicksilver sacrifice being more about, well, I have to utilize my speed here in a specific way to save the city, save yeah. everybody. Yeah, because you've still got the um, X Men Quicksilver happening. Yes. And having that, like, oh my god, this is the best scene in the film mm. kind of moment, and then the MCU is just like... See, I don't mind his speed, because I think the, the version fine. of X-Men is too fast. He's too... Oh, yeah, he's, he's game-breakingly yeah. different, but and like, so... I think having him, like you said, him having to do something with his speed, and it having to be him making the sacrifice, because no one else can go that fast, Exactly ties into the character and, and makes his death more consequential, because... Again, if he was X-Men Quicksilver or comic book Quicksilver or whatever, fucking dodge those bullets, mate. Just yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, zip around and stuff. He's also going to be saving Wanda, not Hawkeye. Oh! Mm. It's not... It, that, it's, that makes like a thousand yeah, times yeah. more sense. He's going to have to say something to other than like... Because the have... only reason he fucking saves Hawkeye yeah. is because we've set up and teased Hawkeye's death. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's and that's be, just a yeah. Joss Whedon doing an Abrams like, oh, yeah. got you, yeah. audience yeah. members. No, this comes down to him saying, it has to be me. And she's like, no, it doesn't. And he's already gone. And then, then everything slows down. And she realizes what's happening slowly. Rather than her alone in some random fucking key point where in this, in, this, in this ruin, she's there watching it happen. And she is desperately trying to stop him because they're the same sort of powers as it were, because the whole experimentation, it counters each other in the same way that the vision and Wanda thing. And so similarly, you get the, the feeling each other with Wanda vision. I just think you can set up so much there that makes... Just because it has much more emotional resonance. And yeah, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, fridging him that way may, is less of a like, oh, fuck you, audience, and more like a, this is going to break this character and it's going to have lasting consequences. One moment I do like in Age of Ultron is the, is the bit where he tries to grab the hammer and just gets dragged oh, yeah, along yeah, with it. Yes. That's, that's a great little moment. That is good. Um, yeah, I do think, like... And also, fucking, we know that... Uh, Bird can make super speed interesting because he did it with Dash. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. And it didn't, and it wasn't just everything slow motion. Like yeah. it had an actual sense of speed. And I would say to, to double down on that whole Violet Dash stuff, I don't think Pietro and uh, Wanda are going to like each other too much until the end. Oh, play up a bit more sibling like dislike yeah. and yeah, that, that just because I, I don't need them to be like at each other's throats, but it's like they're not best fucking friends yeah. because they've gone through a lot of trauma and it's brought them together, but they're not choosing to be together I, I, I like the idea of them just being a bit more like <laughs> they're remarkably well adjusted in age of ultron for the shit that they've been through yeah and i i having them be a bit spikier and a bit just more both to the avengers and to each other just kind of exactly. like 
fuck you. No, I don't like, fuck off. No. And that's the thing. I want to bring in that really hostile teenager mindset. And obviously there's not teenagers, but to the group, the age difference, like no one can relate to these kids and they're the kids who are a product of the world that you have made. So deal with it. That kind of thing. Now, other big change. Final big change. Ultron doesn't die. Again, good. Tying back to what we talked about. Yeah. Through Vision, because Vision is the only way that Ultron's going to stop. And it can just, like, rather than just, you know, sunbeam him to fucking death, like, yeah. oh, he's gone now. Goes and kills the last one in a forest somewhere. And, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I was born yesterday. <laughs> now I want to murder you. No, I would like... Uh, we can still have it being ridiculous, silly, but it doesn't need to be... It, it needs to... It makes sense. So basically, my silly idea is that Vision is able to say, like, I've managed to secure Ultron. He is safe. He cannot connect to anything. So in Stark like, and, and, and Banner, like, are you I sure? I on a hard drive somewhere or uh, ser- yeah. a server he or something. He is currently this. And we do the portal too. And it's like, what's that? It's like, he's in this potato. <laughs> and it's a tiny thumb drive with a battery attached to a potato. It's like, and, you know, Spader just like blinking madly. It's like, he's talking. And I was like, I could tell what he's saying. Yeah, it's, it's Morse code. And didn't, no. <laughs> um, and that he is kept somewhere in this maximum security prison. But most importantly, when we have this is this is me pissing things off with our own little timeline here when we have the snap ultron is gone and then when everything is brought back ultron is not necessarily restored fully but brought back in a sense that it's like oh okay but now he's back he's able to connect something and re-upload himself and become a threat once again he basically right. escapes the potato that's that's my thing. like oh you know like you know eastern european what do we got potato <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know it's like it's a classic like silly gag but i think it's like yeah because it's a defeating, humiliating way for this world-threatening end to. to, to I mean, the 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 first version of Ultron in the comics, like his first body, kind of looks like a thumb drive stuck on top of pretty much. Rumba. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you could almost have like a little callback. Oh, to could it do. Yeah, that. good shout. Good. That's not a bad idea. In, 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 like a, in a design way. So, there's a lot of things to work through in that overhaul and stuff that have a lasting impact. So, we get a Hawkeye TV series with Chris Pine. There's no family. He's just in New York doing stuff and meets up with Kate Bishop. And beats the doctor, importantly. Yeah. I feel like they're going to do something with Linda Cardellini, which is going to be a superhero. I get the feeling like they're, 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 they're building they're something. Be building. Mm. But we'll go. Again, I don't know future people, you know. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like going, we've got this really good actress and we've done nothing with her. Like, maybe we could do something with her? My, one of my theories who shows up in the Hawkeye comic, Madam Mask, oh, could definitely be showing yeah. up. I think that's going to be Vera Farmiga. I agree. I agree. Well, that I makes agree. sense. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, this has an impact. But it also kind of corrects quite quickly and easily. We still end up with Vision. Ultron's still about, but doesn't infect things in phases one, two, or three. And um, at the same time, things sort of return to form, but make a much more pleasing Age of Ultron. I kind of want to change the title, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. I I don't like, because it's nothing like the Age of Ultron comics, and that annoys me. But it's a thing that has the word Ultron in it, so they're like, "Fuck it." It's good enough. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they the do that of, all the, the age of Ultron time. comics are not, not good. good, terrible. Yeah, and yeah, again, drawn on in, in the what if stuff, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, that they, they do that a lot in the MCU. They'll take a name from the comics and be like, Bleh, "That's a thing," which is I weird. Mean, I mean, I, I mentioned it last episode. They're closer to the Ultron on Ultron Unlimited uh, series or, or arc in the. Busiak Perez. Yeah, because if I had a title, it'd be Ultron Unleashed, that kind mm. of thing. Mm. But even then, it's like, yeah, yeah it's fine. Because the age of Ultron, what, he's alive for like a week or yeah, two? Yeah, there's not, not <laughs> much of an age. Hardly an age. He also has it? no impact going forward in terms of the, yeah, the age yeah. of miracles. Yeah. Um, one thing I do have an issue with the original version that you, you kind of have addressed, but not necessarily is sure, sure. the stakes are so much smaller. 
It's just like, yeah, we're going to stop Loki from taking over the world, and it's this big cosmic thing and stuff. It was like, he's going to destroy a city, you know. Okay. Oh, I should clarify, in this version, he's destroying the city as a test run to destroying all the cities. Thank you very much. Well, that- I mean, yeah, and also, I think the idea is... It's the, the if, if meteor the, goes high enough. Yes, it would if the meteor everything. goes high enough, then it yeah. destroys the world. I mean, yeah, but like you have to I go pretty fucking high for that. I don't mind shifting the scale down a little bit because if you make the stakes more personal and make it more about the interpersonal dynamics, yep, that yep. that that raises the stakes in a different way. Agreed. Yeah, because yeah. you can't like it's difficult to keep escalating. You can't just do world-ending thing, world-ending yeah, yeah. thing. This is our Hello, DCEU. Yeah, yeah. This is our emotional bridge leading into the Infinity War. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. That, yeah. That's the idea. Yeah, you've anyway. got Thanos coming down the line. Like, yeah. it's that's going to be the biggest thing ever. Uh, the post-credit sequence doesn't have Thanos. Sorry, he's just not there. I can't think of anything useful to put no, him in there. He's not going. There's no point in fucking teasing him out again. We know no. he's there. Yeah, I probably tease some more Ten Rings. Meow, 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 meow. Um. So yeah, that's that's my that's my fix. It's it's a lot going on. It's a lot to juggle. But I think it makes a lot of clean. But I think there are things you can salvage in them because I, said that, I mean there are bits I'm like I'm just shuffling it around and making a better tonal shift in the whole thing. And yeah, utilizing the things I've been given better, and also building on the platform of us talking about. Well, in this universe, the bad guys don't die as much. In yeah. this universe, this is played by this person. And in mm-hmm. this universe, so you have this impact, this the nine realms in chaos. You have all this stuff that really feels like it has a legacy and moving on. Basically, where we are now with all this stuff, like oh, it's all quite interconnected, quite well. Just you know. Six, seven years ago. So, uh, bouncing around, talking about uh, madness mm. and things being weird. Oh. Tim. Hello. Are you about to upheave something? I am. I'm going to move us into phase three. Ooh. Oh, into phase three. Here we are, phase three. I am taking on a film which I don't hate, but I think that there are significant fixes. That could be made to missed it. opportunities. Missed so, opportunities yeah. is a great way of, of yeah. putting it. Doctor Strange. Mm. I like Doctor Strange, but I know what you mean. Uh, yep, I like Doctor Strange. I know a lot of people is like bottom tier Marvel movie. People really don't like it. It's not that bad. I like it well enough. A lot more than fucking Age of Ultron and Dark World, for example. You know but... me. It's trying something different. Yeah. So I'm he... like, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the missed opportunity thing that that. You could do so much with Doctor Strange in so many different ways, hopefully, as we'll find as yes, the universe continues and, and the multiverse yeah. madness and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very intrigued. For the record, listeners, we have the briefest of notes on our Google Doc. I touched on the little table of changes we've got here. Yeah. But very much like the pitches, the the other two sequelizers are going in fairly blind mm. to each other's stuff. So all I see on the doc is Doctor Strange plot change from Tim Matt and I don't know what you're changing, so <laughs> nope. I'm intrigued. And we yeah. haven't known what each other is changing as nope. we've been going. Yeah. Fresh. I'm very intrigued. I'm not going to recast him. Boo! Even oh, the American accent, though, Tim. Well, okay, here's, here's, here's the way I put it. Because I am a, I am a notable critic of Benedict Cumberbatch as strange. Yeah, I don't... and Benedict Cumberbatch in general. He, yeah, and he is fine in the role. He is fine. I think he's the of all the casting in the MCU. He's the laziest choice. It is yep. exactly yep. that. He was, yep, 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 oh, yep. really? Yeah, he was. He was doing so much at the time. He was Sherlock. Everyone was like, "Oh, he should be Doctor Strange," and then they picked him as Doctor Strange. The two names that I would throw out that I would have liked to have seen mm. are Oded Fair. Oh wow. Wow. wow! Best known for the Mummy. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting. Uh, and Naveen Andrews. 
God, these are good choices. Naveen and where do I know that? Very uh, interesting. He's um, uh, Saeed from Lost. Oh, yeah. Nice. I mean... I like the Middle Eastern I, twist. I, again, I do. I, yeah. I really like that. And I, I think Andrew's tips it for me personally. Mm. And I, yeah. Can I be honest, Tim? I'm going to say you should do that. Yeah. As much as I don't like him, because I think... I think Cumberbatch improves in subsequent films. He does. He genuinely he gets better. Yes. And so sure, my, yeah. my hope is that with the tweaks that I've made, that would be happen earlier. But also, if we if we stick it, with Cumberbatch, I'm not gonna be like, oh, what? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah if uh, my choice is fixed script or fix or, or recast Cumberbatch, I'll fix the script. If I get yeah, to do yeah. both, then question: If we did Naveen Andrews, what would his accent be? Dormammu. <laughs> Weird American <laughs> accent. Uh, got a British accent, basically. Yeah, I'd be happy with him using whatever. Yeah, I say would, would he be American? Is my question. Again, I don't know. I'm not hung up on it. I'm just yeah. curious. Because... I mean, I would have him. There's no reason we, why we can't have a British Doctor Strange. Yeah, uh, I think it really? makes absolutely no difference. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those characters. There's there's characters when where when you read a comic book character in your head, you're always like Emma Frost is from England, right? <laughs> uh, no, she just fakes the accent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my, to sum up my, my kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, although I have some more details on, on it, essentially I swap round Mordo and Doctor Strange. Mm. How Mordo, so, Tim? How to? Is Mordo, Mordo the is the novice. He is ah. the new initiate. Ah. He's doing a fucking Iron Man again. Mm. Doctor Strange is established. He is already a sorcerer when the film begins. Because for one thing, he gets a little shout out in Winter Soldier. He does. As a person who's on like a shield watch list or whatever, or the, well, the Hydra, the Hydra watch yeah. list. We, yeah. We and keep eyes like, on people like Stephen Strange and Wakanda yeah. and you're like, huh. Ten like, rings. That doesn't, that, yeah, the ten rings. <laughs> yes, yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> swap that out, put ten rings in there. And it's yeah. like, what, so he's ju- just a surgeon? Because the, the, when the MCU Doctor- timeline is yeah, fucked yeah, up. Yeah, we, yeah. we won't get too far into it. When Doctor Strange takes place is kind of ambiguous, but there is also, there's a line in Doctor Strange which implies that he gets called up to potentially help fix Rhodey's spine yes. after the events of Civil War. Correct. Yeah, which doesn't it, make sense. Yeah. In which case, if that is true, then in Winter Soldier, they're keeping an eye on him just because he's a very good surgeon? <laughs> Question mark? So I'm going to have him be... We're going we're gonna to have some flashbacks in here. I'm keeping Scott Derrickson. I, I think he's the reaction really is absolutely yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, I think yeah. I, the horror I, angle's good. The horror it's, angle's good. Yeah. The visualization the magic is inceptiony bits are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, we're going to have flashbacks throughout, which are going to touch on Strange's origin. Great. He's also going to be talking. He will touch on it with Mordo as their their relationship develops, and discuss it. But we don't need to see it in the same way that we do in the comics because I think, mm-hmm. as much as his journey is an interesting one in terms of like dealing with arrogance and stuff like that and hubris and all those kind of things it's so close to iron man it really is. and i think you can you even can, with the facial hair and everything you yeah. can have that emotional journey without necessarily having to go through the origin story step by step yeah i think they we talked about this previously talking about how much we like spider-man homecoming you don't need to do an origin story every single no, time yeah no, granted no. this is an example where we've had two origin stories for Doctor Strange previously, mm. but with flashbacks and stuff, you don't have to address it directly. You can just kind of play around and hint mm. at it and all that kind of stuff yeah. without having the same... Uh, I think a big problem a lot of people have with the original Doctor Strange is it's Iron Man but magic. Yeah. It's just there's a bad version of the hero and he's, you know, 
Mordo is the stain of this thing and all this kind of stuff. Granted, there's a Dormammu thing, but like, it's basically the same origin story, the hubrisy thing, all that kind of bollocks. And yeah, it's just Iron Man, but magic. And it's just like, oh, this is the MCU formula now. Every new character is going to have the same fucking origin story and blah, blah, blah. A bunch of white dudes <laughs> being arrogant and then not learning their lessons, but being heroes anyway. Brilliant. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a question. And I'm sorry, Tim, I keep cutting before you get to your pitch, but it's kind of to set the tone here because I want to just really establish something. So Mordo, I love that switch. Brilliant idea. Give me more Chiwetel Ejiofor. Mm-hmm. Is it still Chiwetel Ejiofor? Yes. Fuck, Brilliant. Fuck yes. Now here's another He's thing. amazing. Because Feige's admitted that you made a mistake casting Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. I assume you're not casting Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. No. I, d- uh, mm-hmm. I don't have casting for her. No, that's what I'm saying. I... Because I, I, yeah. if, 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 if... The only reason I mention this is because if that is the case and we say, well, let's be honest, if we're doing Doctor Strange as, um, you know, a Central Asian individual, South Asian, East Asian individual, then technically... This is the MCU's first person of color led film. Yeah, with it is, the yeah. villain, yeah. The, 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 the mentor, yeah. and the yeah. hero all mm. being people who aren't white, basically. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, that's bold. I should say, we still have Kaiselius. I'm not making hit. So it's Mordo, still be, yeah. Mordo is still being set up to be a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's oh, so, not oh, sorry, villain. he's an ally. Yes, of course. Yes, he's, he's, he's an ally. Yeah, so now. So yeah, so, but there's still Mads Mikkelsen. So that's still, yeah, but I'm just thinking that's. It's, He's still the, one of the main characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's and, very And the lead and the title character yeah. is played by a person of color. Yeah. I is... push, I'm saying, I'm pushing for this. But I, I think yeah. it's, that's a good idea. Bring that fucking shit. The Adventures forward. of yes. Strange and Mordo. Yeah. yeah. We might have to kill off Ike Perlmutter. Oh, no. What <laughs> but, a shame. Oh, no. He's had an it. Well, to be fair, it's, it's our MCU. What change do you make? This person is no longer yeah. working anyway. Yeah. 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 Just because I wanted to throw it out before you get into things like no, no, that. Yeah, give that's me fine. more edge for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have seen people throw out that they should have had Michelle Yao do it, which would take her that away from, from Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi so. uh, but, but you could cast a lot of people in that role. Yeah. But, yeah. but if she comes back as the ancient one and, and like that and Endgame, yeah. Oh, it could be good. Could be yeah. good. So, Silly suggestion. Jackie Chan. <laughs> it'd be funny. It'd be funny. So yeah, so we have Mordo is a novice who is who is essentially doing what Strange does without... We, we, we're not going to follow his origin story in the same no, detail. It's going to be... Because I think the... It's kind of left ambiguous in the in our in Doctor Strange. It's sort of implied that he's like done some war crimes or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and has and has done something horrible in his w- past. Wong kind of touches on that a yeah. couple of times, I think, doesn't he? Yeah. So is is Wong still in? Wong is still in. Awesome. Still Benedict Wong. The yes. Best. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. So we don't follow Mordo's journey in the same detail, but we have him arriving in what is it, Kamataj? Yeah, yeah. Petitioning to learn from the Ancient One. Strange is an established sorcerer who is there, who is not like, not that they have like ranks or whatever, but like he's, he's kind of, he's not like already set up in New York. He's just in. He's not Sorcerer Supreme. He's not Sorcerer he's Supreme. Sorcerer. No, no. He's just a, a person there who is very talented. Very Te- powerful, talented individual. Technically yeah. a wizard, but in. Yeah. In, okay. We still have Wong as essentially the librarian to yeah. start with. Cool. But mm-hmm. him and Strange are kind of rivals. Mm-hmm. And mm. the Hong Kong Sanctum, there, the, the person who was like the guardian of it has moved on or whatever, is retiring. Played by sure. Jackie Chan. Um, sure. <laughs> um, Jackie Chan's everywhere. He's everyone. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, the time. And essentially, it's they, uh, at the start of the film, they're like competing to see who is going to become the guardian of that sanctum. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Wong. Wong. Wong gets it. The Ancient One thinks Strange is still too arrogant for it. She, he, you know, yes, you're one of the most talented apprentices I've ever had, but you know, talent isn't everything, basically. Yeah. 
You need some humility. Yeah. She gives him Mordo as an apprentice, almost as a to sort of say, like, you need to learn some humility, teach other people your skills, learn that you, you, you there are other ways of seeing things. Remember where you came from, Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He gets the mar- the cloak of levitation as like this is the sign of you uh, graduation gift kind of thing. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so yeah. we still get some comedy business yeah. with the cloak kind nice. of doing the cloak his own is thing. Great. Mordo excels, you know, in his studies. We get some some fun stuff with that. The Caecilius business is still going on. I'm I'm leaving that plot pretty much unchanged. Fair enough. Yeah. He uh, we might have a we might stretch it out over a little bit of a longer time period. We'll still have, you know, some training montages and stuff there, but it's it's strange instructing Mordo rather than just strange kind of teaching himself a lot of yes, the time. Yes. Um so we get a closer relationship between the two of them. They're kind of this sort of brotherly, almost Obi Wan and Anakin, but done better. Oh, I like okay. it. Too. I like nice. it. Um, nice. But we also still have these elements of Mordo having a kind of zealotry to him. And it's that, you know, no zealot. To me like the a- Jedi are evil. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No zealot like a convert kind of thing, yeah, yeah, and he yes. he very much believe he he is someone who needs a code of behavior to believe in, and so he has thrown out what he used to believe in, and now he believes in the ancient one. So we still we still have those elements of like she has a tie the ties to the dark dimension that she's you know forbidden anyone else to learn mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. He still feels betrayed by that, mm. and Strange, who is his tutor now, also throws out the the whole like you know we don't tamper with the natural order of things by doing the reverse time stuff at the end of the film and so we still have that moment of betrayal we still have Mordo going off and thinking and saying basically like no I, I i i was looking for something to believe in i thought i could believe in you i clearly can't you're just as bad as you know what i have come from in terms of you know not sort of believing in anything i'm gonna go off and, and be my own thing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah but yeah i think i think strange works best when he is operating from a position of authority and i think it's having him be a newbie so to speak doesn't work in the film i think he works so much better when he's talking down to people because he's a character whose arrogance is his like fundamental flaw and to have him be arrogant when he's in a situation where he's still learning the ropes i mean in in a way it's kind of interesting you know because he is this very talented person who picks it up very quickly but also like i feel like you can get equal equal elements of that being brought out by putting him in the position of teacher and he's kind of frustrated because he doesn't you know, he likes being the sort of the maverick. I'm, you know, oh, I'm going to go off and come up with creative solutions that I don't like being tied down. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, you've got to go through this stuff with this person who's also talented. And, you know, we can even have a little bit of like jealousy in that Mordo, you know, is picking stuff up very quickly and, and perhaps, you know, becoming the new golden boy yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and Strange is a little bit, you know, jealous of that. Yep. And we will still end with Strange becoming the guardian of New York. Mordo's left, he's lost his apprentice, but also the Guardian of New York has been killed off, and so we have Strange in Bleak uh, Street, as he should be, yeah. in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, so that that is the kind of overall thrust of my... Yes, yeah, so it's more... Yeah, characterization, character direction, I like it. I, I genuinely think that would be a strong... Because the thing is, we talk about how Cumberbatch is getting better as Strange and Strange is written better, because we don't have to worry about the origin story. Yeah. The origin story holds it back, because it's so very Iron Man-y. The only time it really works is, oddly enough, in the what-if um, scenario mm. where you go through the Dark Strange. Um, but really, yeah. And I, I think we basically jettison all of the medical stuff. I don't think we need Rachel McAdams in there. No. His, the, the, she she it adds so little to it. it. Adds, yeah, it adds so little. Yeah. It's just, it just takes up time that could be filled with more interesting magic shit and the yeah. relationships that are important, which is... Mordo and Strange, Wong and Strange, yeah. 
the, how the ancient ones like teachings a thing. I think I get what they want to do, where they're like, well, it feels so off in you know thing, but you've fucking done Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, exactly. You know? Yeah, hit the ground running with it. I mean, yeah. also means we can then have Stolberg and Adams, uh, Rachel McAdams, sorry, come back for something else because yeah. Stolberg is like. I was like, oh yeah, he's in the MCU now. Yeah. And then that character's important in certain Doctor Strange stories, but it's like, but not really. There's so many actors, like we were talking about earlier, like Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton's in the MCU. Oh yeah, there's so many of those Mm. like Marvel established characters, if you know them from the comics, Mm. or established Mm. actors that show up in bit parts. You're like, oh yeah, he's already in the MCU, (laughs) or they're already in the MCU, or whatever Mm. it is. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting... By the way, my only other... I know this is circling back here, but... My only other choice, if I couldn't have James Spader for Ultron, was mm. Michael Stuhlbarg. Because mm. <laughs> I feel he's got that quivering yeah. nervousness, but he's yeah, got yeah. that mm. slight underhand of mm-hmm. something. Mm. Just, yeah. But anyway, I can so, picture him in Shape of Water. Him in Shape of Water? Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And similarly mm. in Boardwalk Empire, for example, he mm. plays, you know, this sort of very nefarious type criminal, but still operating on a higher level. Kind of yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, but, free, but, freeing him up for something else exactly. and a more interesting role, because, yeah. That character is in one very good Doctor Strange mini, and that's about it. That's true. Um, and uh, and so yeah, it, it does feel like a waste. Again, Rachel McAdams, I feel like could do interesting. Yeah, stuff it's with the, her. we're still in the era of like we need a lady friend for them. So why? Yeah. We need a love interest. Oh, for fuck's sake. To do what with yeah. them? Nothing. Are they going to be like yeah threatened or or is is it emotional core for them? Mm. No, nah, he didn't give it, his emotional core is himself. It's like yeah, right. Again, she's Pepper Potts. She's a more yeah. like capable professional woman who is underappreciated by her arrogant partner, all this mm. kind of stuff. She's just the surrogate Pepper Potts because he's surrogate Iron Man. All he's this in bullshit. the comics, has to be in something. Exactly, yeah. 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 And the Doctor Strange film does this weird thing where it strays very close to the Brian K. Vaughan, The Oath. Uh, yes, in series. certain parts. Yeah. In certain in parts. Elements, yes. The whole thing with the medical thing and him, yeah. uh, the astral projection version of him. Which is a really good like, yeah, float, fl- yeah, Floating about and over, his body, and, over his body and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of that stuff, and the origin story of messing up the hands and all that kind of stuff, that's all tying into the oath. I think what you've done to him is make it far more differentiated from Iron Man and much more, yeah, having, uh, when you, as soon as you said Obi-Wan and Anakin, that really clicked for me of like, oh, I can totally see that dynamic of Strange getting frustrated with Mordo and like, as terrible as Attack of the Clones is, that opening scene of like, Mm. oh, I hate it when he does that. And like Mm. Mordo doing that kind of, over the top, arrogant shit, and strangers like oh, again, and then having the ancient one being like, you know, you used to do that when you know how frustrated you are now. That that was me five years ago. Yeah, do you remember, Stephen? Legacy you, world building, legacy mm. world building, exactly. It, mm. It's planting the seeds again. Having them, having Edge of War have more of an integral part. I think again builds up Mordo as 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 we know now. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. Perspective, comic book readers, mm. all that kind of stuff. We know Mordo is basically Doctor Strange's primary villain and mm. is going to be the big bad going forward for mm. Doctor Strange. In theory. In theory. Mm. But building that and layering that, and again, I keep saying, planting the seeds, laying mm. the groundwork, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. how the it's MCU it, works. Yeah. So that yeah. is going to be a thing. Mm. Having him be a more integral part, getting to know him as an apprentice, as a sorcerer, all that kind of stuff, then when the twist, when the betrayal does come eventually gives it that much more weight and much more emotional impact. And I think yeah, that works and I think, a lot. I, I think, you know, just take a beat when that when they're preparing to do that and have it basically, because it plays out very quickly, because it's just, because in, in this, in Doctor Strange as it is, it's just getting Mordo into a position where he can be the villain in the next film, although yep, yeah, yeah. who knows if he is actually going well, to be. That's yeah. the thing, because um, yeah, the other thing focuses but, on. 
because there hasn't been as much weight given to their relationship, it, it, it's kind of run through very quickly and you just get like a few lines of him like, oh, or that, well, now I'm pissed off with you um, and I'm going to go off and then we get the mm-hmm. post-credit scene with him. Just taking a little bit more time to just basically being explore that idea a bit more of like, no, you, you have told, like, throughout my instruction, you've told me there are things that we don't do because they're too dangerous and now you're going to do one of them. Like, if you do this, then all of this, like, what, you're as bad as the rest of them. This has mm-hmm. all been for nothing. Why am I? Why am I even following you if you're going to do this? And then you, and that is an emotional moment then for Doctor Strange because he is then has to go like, okay, well if I do if I do this, I'm losing this person who's now I've become quite close to, you know, and I'm seeing as a peer. But if I don't do it, then we're fucked, you know. And yeah, and it beca- yeah. have that be more of an emotional crux to the film. Yeah, entirely. And again, I think that would make it much. You could still have all the mind bending visuals. All oh, the yeah, stuff, yeah. but have it play in with a much stronger foundation and have time to develop this character dynamic. And also it means mm. then when we're building two eventual betrayals, it's going to mm. hurt more. Yeah. Um, which is good. And it also, like, just mm. from a purely, like, script economics kind of point of view, it means we can parcel out the exposition between the Ancient One and Strange. Because, yes. And, and by having Strange be the one who's explaining, like, this is how the Dark Dimension, this is how the Mirror Dimension works, this is how spells work, it sets him up as an authority on these things yeah, so that when he yeah. comes back in the MCU, you instantly go like that guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to magic. You Again, touching on the loose timeline of things, he goes very quickly from like, he's an apprentice to like, I know all of the magic in the Marvel universe. Let yeah. me explain all the magic to all you yeah. peasants with your technology and bollocks. Like I'm here. Here's a portal. Here's a thing. And like, when are you doing you learning all of this shit like six weeks ago? Like, yeah. how, how long were you? Well, yeah, it's the, it's, it's the classic, like, you know, it's again, it's the Tony Stark. It's the whole, I, when did you become an expert in whatever it is like <laughs> last night when I read all the all the stuff because yeah, that's the yeah. kind of mind they have and I get it mm. but it's and that's where the arrogance comes with it but I also like the idea that you get more of a probably a very bad analogy but fuck it more of a Snape Dumbledore thing Ooh. where you've got like the got ancient Anakin one being, and Obi Wan we got Snape and Dumbledore yeah, you got like, in the, all those pop culture yeah, references you get the nicer one and, and you get the fact that like you know Strange is a bit more cruel in the way he teaches his lessons like mm. you remember when I taught you this lesson yeah well, remember I gave you a three minute time limit not a one minute time limit well, you know, I got it done in 120, so he should better get it done one. Mm. It's like you're pushing him too hard. Yeah. And it also means that when the Ancient One dies, whatever happens there, mm. Strange has to realize that I kind of created this monster mm. because I pushed him too hard because I tried mm. to make him me. Yeah. Mm. And that was a mistake because I wasn't making him the best he could be. It's like, you know, learn to play the instrument. I play every instrument. No, no, no. Mm. This instrument is different. Yeah. And, and, and I think, like, by having Mordo be the new arrival, you can, and Chiwetel Ejiofor, because he's a fucking he's fantastic fucking actor amazing. will be able to play these notes you can kind of have this implication of like like no this dude has done something something awful has happened to this guy or he has done something awful to end up in this situation I mean, yeah. him doing like, something awful yeah yeah sure. and like but either way like he need he needs someone to help him deal with that and strange does not have that t- in his toolkit no. he's just like i'm gonna teach you the things and you're gonna, i'm the best so you're gonna become the best for me yeah. and in a way that will feed into mordo's worst instincts but it's also not dealing with his fundamental problems of mm. like I'm carrying around all this guilt or yeah. whatever you know whether we leave that ambiguous or not. But like yeah. I have a random little casting suggestion, the ancient one. Go for it. I'm trying to go for someone who's recognisable but not. I think Colin Chow, oh. who is for most people he's worked with Jet Li a lot. He's worked with Jackie Chan a lot. He is most notably Seraph from the Matrix Reloaded. Yes. The Matrix oh, okay. So yeah. he's like, when they again, couldn't get Jet Li. Yeah, it's the whole like, yeah, exactly. So like, yeah. you don't know someone until you fight them. Like, mm. he has that calm, what a, what a that air. cool 
guy in he's a cool motherfucker. film. <laughs> yes, that's very true. And I think it'd be like, oh yeah, no, he's a great martial artist. And I think that his presence is good, but he's also very calm. He's not too old. Again, mm. he's an Asian dude, not ageless. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it's like, yeah, great, love it. This, this is mm. this is gonna work. But again, I also thought eh, maybe we could do a female character would be quite nice actually to make Asian. I, th- I can understand why they didn't want to fall into like the old Asian, like the the wise oh, ancient master yeah, stereotype. Yeah. But I also think if you it's have that similar thing with Mandarin that we touched on earlier, right? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Steer away from that like xenophobic kind of mm. bullshit. That is yeah, but that's the thing. So entrenched it? in so many of those characters. Yeah, it's like it was like well, how do we do Wong the man servant? Make him a fucking sergeant. A problem solved. Yeah. 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 It's like, how do you, how do we do this? Like, write them like a fucking character. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you have strange, be a person of color as well. That's what I'm saying. I think it, it has less. Of oh a, yeah. 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 And the biggest, you know, not necessarily threat, but the big bad coming through is Mads fucking Mikkelsen being, you know, the whitest man in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With all that black makeup, all those eyes. Mm. Yeah. That's a good chat, Tim. I like it a lot. What's next, Mister Tim? Yeah, I'm coming back. I'm you coming are. in strong. Because I'm also gonna fix. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We which knew this one, was coming. Which is one of your least favourite. Yes. Um, is it your absolute least favourite or I one of the least favourite? I don't think favorite? it's my least favourite. Again, yeah. I haven't gone back and rewatched it, so I think that, that would cement certain ideas yeah. about it in my brain. As always, least favourite, not necessarily the worst in yes. the yeah, They are two different yeah. things. Enjoyability, yeah. Yes, yep, yes. Yep. Yeah. I don't have the same as much concrete ideas for Guardians of the Galaxy. It's more a list of things Tweaking. I... I don't want it to Here's do. Here's a list of the things I don't like. Yes. Yeah. The fair, things, fair. things I do want it to do. Less Chris Pratt, please. Yes. Uh, I had different Chris Pratt. Yeah. So a lot of it, a lot of the problems that I have with Guardians of the Galaxy is with tone, volume two, I should say. So that would be like the main thing I would want to fix, which I haven't come up with a replacement. It might mean replacing mm. James Gunn. Ooh. But I also know that he's seen as so. F- I, ca- I can't make up my mind on that one, basically, because. I think he just needs a little bit reining in sometimes. I think he's integral to it, but I think if he had just someone to write the script with him who could just bring yeah. out the best in him. Yeah. Yeah. Because people forget that the first Guardians was mostly written by, uh, I think it's Nicole Pullman. I think so, yeah. Um, who championed it and was like, this should be a, like, way back when was like, this should be a film. And I think, I think Guardians 2 is just gun. Pretty much, yeah. It very much feels like it. Yes, exactly. So maybe just that will be enough to like yeah maybe because there's there's so many things there that that have nothing to do with like plot and stuff and it's just like Drax and laughing at his own jokes and stuff like that which is I feel like Drax's characterization shifts completely between films but then yeah I think Drax in Guardians one and Drax in Infinity War feel closer than Drax in Guardians yes yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely Uh, you were correct and James Gunn is credited as the sole screenwriter of Guardians two yeah. So now it's James Gunn and Tim. <laughs> hey, Tim gets a big fat paycheck. Yep. If only. Fucking don't. Oh, <laughs> I am booting Ego. Oh, very interesting. I'm getting I, him out of the, the film. The entire thing? Kurt, Kurt Russell everything? Kurt Russell everything. Whoa. I mean, that saves Kurt Russell for something else cool in the MCU. Yeah. yeah. Do I, don't, I don't mind the principle of Ego being The ancient bad. one. Kurt Russell nailed it. <laughs> white no guy. No one problem with we this. We need another white guy in there. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so yeah, the idea is... Are we going to cover his dad We're not really going to touch on his parentage. Oh. Interesting. Because okay, okay. I don't think it... I, I think it's an interesting thing to have in there. doesn't really add a lot, does it? It doesn't add a huge amount. Yeah. All you need to know is that he's slightly more than human, oh and God. maybe we'll pick up on that further down the line. It does add a Pac-Man reference, though, guys. I don't know how we're... Can we live without that Pac-Man Shh. reference? Shut up, Jack. <laughs> mm. 
That is garbage, by yeah. the way, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. That the, fucking last fight. Oh, God. Yeah. The main reason that I'm booting Ego and that whole plot thread is because as soon as you make it about Quill's father, you make the whole film about fathers. Because you, <laughs> sure. because you oh, then... Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> because you then have to bring in... You have to have Yondu, Yondu serving as the, the contrast, and he's like, he, he, he may be your father, but I'm your daddy yeah. kind of stuff. You mm. then have... You then touch on, like, the, the Guardians, but mostly Rocket raising baby Groot. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. Really, like, the film should more be about trauma which, which is what the first one is kind of about and the, the second one is sort of about it mm. but it turns it turns it it focuses it so tightly on dads uh rather than just mm. like trauma in general so and, by that extension this doesn't take place immediately after the, the first one no Yay! again weird timeline of the mcu bullshit like yeah. yep this is set like five minutes after the last one because bleh, even it's years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're also gonna have we have less of the Ravager politics. Yeah, fuck the that. whole stuff about like they got booted, like Yondu's crew got booted out because they were child traffickers. Even though that, yeah, it, that the, the implication like in the first one, yeah, they they're just like we do literally anything. Like who gives That's a the fuck? whole point? And yeah, why? yeah. Star Lord is how he is. It, even it's though it's the Pirates of the that. Caribbean two thing. Like ah, the pirate codes. Like a lot of fucking rules for you people who are rule breakers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we go against the laws unless it's our own laws. Then everything's yeah. fine. Mm. Yeah. We're not having Stallone show up and all that. Oh, I think again, who remembers that Sylvester Stallone is in the MCU? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. How fucking weird. Yeah. Isn't one of them Michelle Yao? Yes. Yes. Fuck's sake. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. In the, in, the, in one of its. Five post-credit sequences. Yeah. You get a bunch of fucking hell. What what are essentially the original Guardians of the Galaxy yes. in the comics, which yes. who yes. nobody give a fuck about. No, aside from like people who were in I don't know their sixties who happened to be reading those comics at the time. There's like maybe five cosmic nerds going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the movie should have been. I care a lot about Starhawk, and uh, <laughs> I care about you shutting up. So yeah, we are taking the focus away from that stuff. Good. We are putting more of a focus on Nebula and Gamora. Mm-hmm. You touched on dads here, Tim. Mm. There's a Obviously, traumatic, interesting dad thing here. Yes. Tying into those siblings. Yeah. They're fucking daughters of Thanos. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good. We're not going to have Thanos showing up again. Good. But hey. he's essentially going to cast a long shadow over the whole film. Good. Because it, Which it should do, because the film is coming. Yeah. Um, brother Band. Yeah. Thumbs up for me so far. Like, I like the bits in Guardians that touch on that relationship and yeah. explore that i think that's really good i know that james gunn is a big fan of nebula i want more of that i want i want to actually dig into some of that she's one of the standout characters of the second one as it is yeah so i think that works yeah, I, yeah. and, and I she think, gets more to do obviously like we said in yeah infinity war endgame and stuff if you're going to kill off gamora in infinity war you need more to establish her yep. in in this one Again, we're because... adding more weight to the things that happen yeah. later yeah. on. And if Nebula's you... going to be such a big impact in Endgame... You, you make, yeah. you make things yeah. matter more later on by making them matter earlier on. Yeah. 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 In terms of grand plot, since I'm kicking out so much, yes. um, the idea that I had is taking a little bit from the Korvac saga, mm. okay. which yep. is one of these, another, like, 80s, 70s or 80s. I'll say I loosely know the name, it's, but I don't it, know what it's yeah, about. It, uh, uh, it's one I haven't read, and I'm going to be very loosely doing an adaptation of it which is every mcu yep the there's a maybe a slight problem because 
Korvac is associated, and I would have him in the film, be associated with an alien race called the Badoon, who I think technically fall under Fox control, because I think they might have come in... Down the Fantastic Four ship. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic Four ship. Then the Badoonie. Something, yeah. We'll, we'll fucking rename them if we have to. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four guy yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Again, but his best they're, known... they'll own Fox soon. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Korvac, essentially, he's from, he's from an alternate Earth in the future or something. But <laughs> essentially, he gets kidnapped by an alien race, made to work for them, and through the process of them like upgrading his body to, to be a supercomputer kind of thing, gains these big cosmic powers. Cool. Essentially... The, the the big the kind of the grand plot is going to be the Badoon. We're going to have the Sovereign in still, even though they're kind of a weird part of Guardians Two. Adam Warlock's coming. Yeah, we'll have them there to kind of set up some of the Adam Warlock stuff, yeah. and we're going to have the Badoon and the the Sovereign going to war, or essentially the Badoon attacking the Sovereign. Right. Yeah. Sure. Korvac essentially being a weapon for them to start off with, and then getting loose and proving an even bigger threat. And he will essentially, to give Quill some kind of emotional arc, as we've got rid of all the ego stuff, mm-hmm. we will have Korvac be a kind of, we love our dark mirrors here, a dark mirror of Peter Quill, and that they will both be humans who have been abducted yeah, and yeah. exploited by aliens. And he is, and Korvac is essentially someone who has kind of come out even worse than Quill. Mm. Quill's come out of it kind of a fuck up, Korvac yeah. has come out a monster, essentially. Well, which again is that line that, that raccoons on, uh, Rocket Raccoons on the same mm. sort of. Yeah, exactly, and it's going to be the very, again, make it more about trauma than dads. Rocket well, has gone through trauma, Drax has gone through trauma. Yeah. Like, we, we will have those well, elements. Well, ties them all together. Yeah, you can also yeah. slice it, you can bisect the cast between those that are dealing with the idea of being experimented on or being this, um, you know, shift in what they could have been, mm. and the dad stuff, because Drax is a father who lost yeah. his kids. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's he's going through his own shit. So you could have the, those things play into each other quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. it's an idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, and again, like the experiment stuff with with yeah. Rocket yeah. playing into Korvac. Yeah, nice. Um, I would have Mantis still come along. Good. I would make her less of a joke character. Yeah, I do yeah. not like what they do with Mantis. Um, I like the casting. I like the idea. Mm. But good lord, they give. She's better in Infinity War than Endgame. Yeah, she's yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I would I would either have her be associated with the Badoon and they they free her. You know, she's a slave of their... Yeah. Or with the Sovereign and a similar thing. Yeah, either works. Cool. Either works. Well, that, that could be, rather than stealing batteries, we smuggle this girl out. It's like, why did you do that? Yeah. She was a slave! Yeah. You want to be a slave, Quill? No, you don't! It's like, I won't make any Not trouble. Not racket, rocket racket. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah, so I don't, I don't have less concrete plans on like how it would play out, but those, those are the things that I would like There's some good shifts in to the change. Yeah, I like um, that. Bringing in Korvac, I think, does a good job of building... Again, a wider kind of cosmic sphere mm-hmm. of Marvel, which we're obviously building to. There's going to be more stuff. We're, now that they do own Fox, there's going to be Galactus, and there's mm-hmm. going to be Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four eventually. So, you know, we're going to get there. Mm. And having it go very cosmic with Infinity War and Endgame and Guardians kind of being the foot in the door that kind of kicked mm. all that off, having that tie into that and setting up Warlock and that kind of stuff, mm. I think is very interesting. Korvac, interesting enough, is one of the rumored villains for the Marvels uh, oh, film. Okay. The Very where, where interesting. Ms. Marvel, Kamala mm. Khan, and Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, unite together and have to take on a, a cosmic villain and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, Korvac is one of the rumored villains for that. Because, yeah. like, Korvac MCU, that rings a bell. And I just looked it up. Yeah. Mm. Definitely not confirmed or anything like he, that, but one of the rumored. Where well, we are now. Here. He's yeah. one of those names that is like, when I was 
growing up reading comics, like kept seeing bandied around as like this big storyline that was done. Um, again, I think he's one of those characters who, when they actually ad- do an adaptation of him, they'll end up changing a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but I think yep. there's the roots there of but like what they're going to do with Adam Warlock. Yeah, is that exactly the kind of similar yeah, kind of thing. I'm, where like, I'm, there are so many things that are set up in the next coming cosmic stuff. And I'm like. These are some really tricky things. I'm not. Yeah, they come from a very particular age in Uh, comics. Yeah, there's full of nonsense comic book bullshit. There's one thing I won't spoil on this podcast. Oh, because the time of recording and even the time of release, it's only just going on to Disney Plus, and that's the Eternals. Oh yeah, but basically, there's a casting move there. I'm like. That's a yeah, very hard one to do. That is that the one. That yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's what I'm going to say, people. But it's like, I, I get it. I feel like it's hard sell. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Everything's a fucking hard sell with comics, and then you yeah. get sold into it. But uh, another point, another point. Well, they're doing a Guardian. How the fuck are they doing a Guardian of the Galaxy? I know, film? I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a hard sell until it's not. Until yeah, we're entirely. All, yeah, we're all drinking the MCU Kool Aid. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We, they, we can sell it when it's done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For our final fix, mm. Jack. We come back to you. And we've, we've, we've had no pushback so far. I thought like yeah, this is the first yeah. I'm going to get some issues with. You're about to have one. I think it's the most controversial of the three because I'll be honest, it's not, again, I'm like not set in stone. I've not set my heart on this, but it comes back to the villains once again. Yes. And this person is one of arguably the best villain outside of maybe Thanos yep. in the entire MCU. They have a fantastic character arc, they stick by their beliefs. Their beliefs are interesting and fleshed out and relevant to current the 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 world around us in the real world and what has happened in the MCU in the past and mm-hmm. will have you know an ongoing effect in the future and all this kind of stuff. I want to talk about Eric Killmonger, Eric yeah. Stevens, the villain of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You brought him up, Matt, as one of your favorite characters. Genuinely, of the MCU, so impactful. Michael B. Jordan's Michael B. Jordan amazing. is fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything from Fruitvale Station through to Creed to in the fucking wire as like a twelve-year-old. Michael B. Jordan is basically all hits, no misses, all killer, no filler. I, his performances fantastic in general are four exists. fantastic. <laughs> but I, he's I good in that. I don't think he's bad in that. No, he do is I. definitely not yeah. the fucking problem. He performs well. And he is a brilliant idea. Like, the casting yeah, yeah. for the central four mm. Fantastic Four, in theory, works. Even Tony, Toby Kebbell as, as Doom is genius. I like, yeah. I like it. But not Love, the point. Not that Yeah, fun. not talking about fan four stick. Maybe we'll get around to that because it's a big fucking mess of a movie. But yeah. Killmonger. Yes. I think, he, I think we need to keep Killmonger around. Because I think he's so good. And Michael B. Jordan, you could do... It's another one of those things of mm. like... You could do so much with Michael B. Jordan going forward in the MCU. But you killed him. And the, 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 the problem I have with this, even saying this out loud now and when I wrote it in the doc and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That final moment, which was your intro quote, Tim, <laughs> yeah. is yeah. fucking brilliant. Uh, so I would powerful. rather die than live in slavery, live mm-hmm. in bondage like my ancestors did. Yeah. What a fucking statement power move mm-hmm. in a world and in a genre of film and cinema that is so dominated by a bunch of fucking white people. Yeah. You have yeah. Bozeman, Jordan, Ryan Coogler coming together and telling this fucking African story mm. from a black person's perspective as a black person a hero for black people yeah. and a villain who also represents another side of black history. A lot of rage, and, bitterness, and a... anger. It's just, it's so... Oh. oh, you're stealing from the British Museum. Who do you think you stole it from, motherfucker? Yeah. Like, that is... And I was at the British Museum last week, literally. Yeah. And Emma and I were having this amazing time looking at all this kind of stuff. 
And I, both of us, we went and sat down and had like a coffee halfway through. We were there for like three or four hours, had a little break. And I was like, this is amazing. Like it's all this like incredible thousands and tens of thousands of years of history and all this Egyptian stuff. And there's an African mm-hmm. wing and all this kind of stuff. And Emma was like, she's a huge history nerd. She was absolutely loving it and was like, I can't help but feel a bit weird about the whole thing. They're like, why is it all here? And I'm like, I'm glad you felt that. I felt I had the white guilt just like building up in me. And yeah. it was quotes and moments like mm. that moment that Eric has in Black Panther. Yeah. I think you could do so much more with him, but the death is so impactful and so kind of integral to T'Challa's growth there. It's a, it's a difficult sell, but I, I have some suggestions about what we could potentially do yeah, with, with Killmonger going forward. Mm. Yeah, I, I must admit, so when I was talk- had my idea about Stain, I kind of put together a list of, here's all the villains, and, and, and not just the, the primary villains, also the, you know, the secondary ones. Yeah. Know, your um, your uh, Baron Von Struckers and your Crossbones yeah. and yes, people yes, like yes, that. Yes, and like, here's the film they're in. Do they die? Should they die? Should they die? Should yeah. they live? And I put I put Killmonger down as a I'm fine with that death mm. because I think, and I'm very interested to hear your ideas because I same, can't same. I can't see like that story is so good and so perfectly told that it just feel that that the as much as the fight is bad at the end the oh, tumble yeah, through the CGI. train the, the tracks, CGI yeah. mush yeah but yeah that's a different problem but I think that death but the heart of it is... the heart of it is. When he's he sees perfect. the sunset and I'm like, yeah. oh man. T-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t-
you can have either of them kick some ass and be amazing mm, and, yeah. be, and be a fantastic Black Panther. Sure. Um, I wonder if you tweak Killmonger ever so slightly and have his dynamic changed. So he's redeemed to become the actual true heir. He could actually eventually lead to... See, I can see fucking it Mike. It's Michael B. Jordan. I know, That's I know, the I know, thing I know. That gets I know. Me. I, you're totally right, Tim, mm. that it is the lesson that... It's the final lesson that T'Challa mm. is kind of taught to be like, mm. fucking hell. But the fact that he's right, and that's what makes him such a great villain, mm. that he, 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 the classic thing of like, oh, the best villains you can actually relate to and a hero in their own story and all that kind of stuff. All the stereotypical bollocks we talk about all the time on sequelizers when the bad sequels or the bad movies we're talking mm. about don't work, they get right. And he is such a compelling, interesting, multi-dimensional villain for all of those reasons. <sighs> if you can just make him slightly more redeemable, and even something as simple as, like, he doesn't burn down all of the Black Panther mm. liquidy stuff, whatever that purple juice is yeah. from Forrest Whitaker. The heart-shaped herb. The heart-shaped herb. And you can have him go into that, like, coma state and they bring him back because he's still... Which they might do, to be honest. That might be the, the mm. lazy way that they do it. Um, something like that to have him be like, well, there's no one else and... There needs to be something else there. I think it would be too quick to have him come back in the second film and just be like, well, he's Black Panther. He's like, wasn't he murdering people? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think having Loki's him... Loki's still not really a hero, and that's like that's 10 years later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think him... He just like... There's a... there's like, The main thing I don't like about Killmonger in Black Panther, there's a sudden moment where he switches and is just like... He kills Claw and he kills his girlfriend in mm. like 10 seconds. And it goes from like, oh yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of see where he's coming from. Like I said, the brilliant moment in the museum, all that kind of stuff. And then he's just like, bam, bam, bam. And you're like, fucking hell. Mm -hmm. That was a, that was a, you know, zero mm. to 60 in 10 seconds kind of thing. Dialing that down a little bit, having somebody else kill Claw or Claw survive in some way or some bollocks, mm. it doesn't matter. But not go quite to that extreme gives him that little hint of, and not a word, redeemability yeah, okay, uh, and yeah. redemptiveness yeah. however you want to put yeah. it that then you can plant the seeds again i'm using that phrase to then have him become the successor because you know the ideal thing is like chadwick boseman doesn't get cancer yeah. and everything's That's, fine yeah. yeah that is not something i feel comfortable no, you know no, 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 just no, 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 no. you know rewriting history just to keep an awesome actor that's alive fantasy cast that's, that's that's disrespectful yeah, yeah. to him and his legacy that in an ideal world and we literally were sequelizing mm. an entire like universe and all that kind of stuff obviously that would be the case mm. but when we were originally talking about this mcu discussion we literally had this conversation didn't we? yeah yeah Chadwick Boseman was alive. Yes. God, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, what, how are we going to do this whole thing? Well, obviously, you know, Black Panther has to be like heading up the Avengers. And I was yeah. Like, oh, he's, God. He's, well, Captain America's gone right. And he's the new Cap. Obviously, yeah, he's going to be the new leader. We've got Sam Wilson, who, by the way, another black guy stepping into new shoes and like understanding his role in the world and having a black guy as the leader to lead the mm. other young people of color that yeah. we're going to have. Ironheart is also a woman of color. Yeah. We've got Kamala Khan, who's a woman of color. We'll get fucking Miles Morales at some mm -hmm. point. A young person of color who's black and Latino. So he could set the standard and did in that first movie so well. T'Challa is the obvious fucking choice. He's the best of us. Mm. He's, he could yeah. lead the way with the next generation of Avengers so well. And yet reality's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think if you want to have Killmonger survive, that, like you say, you need to 
tweak the film slightly. Yeah, you have to. I, I'm not sure where the changes have come in, but yeah, I, and I and it, we've already seen that, like, to to kind of go weirdly sort of political, but not like Wakanda is somewhere that believes in like seems to believe in like restorative justice rather mm. than just locking people up. You know, you've got Bucky hanging out there who they're like, we're yeah, we know this guy like caused a lot of chaos. But we're going to take him in because he has you know to prove. he he shouldn't yeah he has he has to recover he should not just be locked away somewhere so I can see there being a a road towards well T'Challa still tries to save him exactly he's yeah. like no we yeah fuck you and yeah T'Challa also dies in that movie and is kind of meets his father in the, yeah. the yeah. Great Plains yeah. and the afterlife Precisely. and all that kind of stuff yeah and you can have you know, Eric dealing with that and coming mm. to face T'Chaka and his ancestors in that way. Mm. And well, he has that moment with um, his father when yeah. he, when he's in buried under the exactly the stuff. Yeah. 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 No, I, 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 I can totally understand the impulse to, I want Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Because like, he's what? so, he's so good. good. Yeah. He, he's my, um, this is me pissing on everything. I'm so sorry. Um, so I get it. I, Fully get like it. I, I, this I is my most controversial. No, no, no. no, no. Least, I, we have like, to, that's why we have to have the discussion because you're right. Because I, I also wanted the exact same thing. But to summarize the whole thing, in order to get Michael B. Jordan's character to live, he either has to do something that isn't nearly as despicable, which means you weaken his actions, or alternatively, he has to be redeemed later, which means, again, we weaken the message. So yeah. I think it, it, yeah. it, they're both detrimental to the movie. However, as we exist in a world with multiverses, we're getting it. Yeah, probably. So yeah. I, I, because I I, 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 I definitely agree with you. By the way, I definitely see where you're coming from. But I want that Michael is, B. Jordan to be Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, so I, th- I think we're just going to get full on Michael B. Jordan as Black. Killmonger, and then get what we want: Michael B. Jordan as Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah, and that's what we're going to get. I do wonder. Yeah, like, yeah. There was a there's an alternate universe where he's not abandoned, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he blah, blah, no, blah. it's yeah. the cousin who got abandoned was yeah. the other way around. Yeah, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. <clears throat> So he plays it in place. If that's not an up, what if season two that then might actually come? Oh, into I think that's, that's, in that's how, If I was writing a fix for this and doesn't desecrate the memory of someone's thing, but yeah, I, there you go. Yeah, problem solved. Yeah, We've got multiverse shit. So a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting, different universe we created. But like, again, I think genuinely like, like minor tweaks to fix this whole thing. Yeah, some overhauls in places, it, it, but nothing crazy. I and we bring it up on every fucking episode because we're three white dudes on a podcast about films. <laughs> We bring up the MCU all the time. But it has been such an important part of cinema mm. over the last decade. Basically unavoidable. And people have been asked, like I said, we regularly get tweets saying, when are you going to fix all the Dark Hold? When are you going to do Age of Ultron? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? Please touch on the MCU in some form or another. And people, this is us doing it. Yeah, and people's the, favourites are always very strange. Exactly. Well, they're, they're yeah. worse, like, why aren't you going to fix Iron Man mm. 3? Fine. I really like Iron yeah. Man 3. Yeah. But it, the, the fact that we have changed relatively little yeah. about nearly 30 fucking movies mm. which is like th- almost three seasons worth of sequelizers <laughs> put it that yeah. into perspective <laughs> which is easy to do with hindsight yeah. I'm sure the Marvel oh, yeah. team will also say fuck we've already got this in the yeah, like you said about Tilda Swinton like ah oh, we should uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely that kind of but, stuff. It, but yeah I think we said in the first part really there are no bad fi- you know, even the worst of them oh definitely, definitely is an average film and there's certainly they're not it's not like they're beyond criticism I think there are certain ones you can point to and go, that's a bad decision there. Certain things you can, you know, do critical readings of them and go, like, actually, like, there's some really weird problematic politics coming out in all of them of or, or whatever, or even just, you know, fundamental poor performances or whatever. But 
in terms of like the grand sweep of superhero films, action films, anything in that vague area, they are consistently good. And like we say, the changes that we've made have been pretty minimal. It's been a couple of recastings, a little bit of tweaking plots and stuff, and seeding stuff earlier that given that we have the benefit of hindsight exactly, and knowing yeah, that other yeah. things are we, coming. We know Shang-Chi is coming, so we're, yeah. we're planting the seeds there. I've, yeah. said, I've said the phrase planting the seeds and laying the groundwork <laughs> a billion times in this episode <laughs> because that is how the MCU works. And just adding little bits of extra things gives later moments more importance and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it really speaks to the quality yeah. and the care and the attention that has gone into so many of these films from you know, through from the first Avengers, through to Black Panther, through to Endgame and everything in between yeah, yeah. that we have changed so very little in those, like I said, nearly 30 movies at this point. There's a weird parallel. There are 25 or so Bond films. <laughs> and are yeah. they not the same following narrative? I know it's not mm. the same thing. And over a much longer period. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there are more Marvel films in this very short period than there are those things that have mm. been over multiple decades. And again, I know it's a bit of a different thing there and so on and so forth. But it's like it's such an unprecedented franchise. It's it so is. everything they do spearheads, and for better or worse, everyone goes. What are they doing? I, I, mm. I said this during the entire pandemic. Um, if you want to know when the pandemic is in inverted commas over, see what Disney's doing. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to risk money. They're yeah. not risk this thing. Um, when are they opening the parks? When are they? When are they saying this is now a theatrical only release? When mm. are they losing a lawsuit to Scarlett Johansson because <laughs> yeah. they didn't do it properly. Could have cost them like $50 million. Like, all right, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Settle yeah. out of court. But the point is... Where are you, you going to watch Spider-Man No Way Home, Matt? In a fucking cinema. In 10 hours' time. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of the point. It's like, as much as they, they, there is an evil, you know, hail Hydra <laughs> underbelly to this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Hail Permata, more like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all there, but the other studios are just as hungry to be there oh, and yeah. to be yeah. that. Mm. We'd be saying the same thing if this was Universal or Sony or yeah, if this you know, was, whatever, if this was an whatever overlord universe, we have. Alternate universe where we are talking about Warner Brothers and the DCU being the most expansive thing yeah. ever. We'd be having the exact same conversation, yeah. but with yeah. different yeah. If they were, if they were, If we were looking forward to the Jamie Ria, uh, Jaime Riaz Blue Beetle film just about to come out yeah, uh, and going like, oh my God, I can't believe we're heading towards a, a fourth world saga. Yeah. You know. Oh, Tim! Yeah. Oh, give me some. Uh, I'll just say, give me some fourth. World. I got my Sinestro Core cool War. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're we're fans. We want more good stuff. The price we pay is corporate bullshit. But in terms of the the impact on the cinema, it, as a cinema as a whole, we don't have to change much to make these elevated products into yeah. something much more. You know, yeah. Yeah. And if you disagree with us, please do let us know. I'm sure. Many people will have many opinions about our changes, especially probably my most controversial one at the end there to end on. So do let us know on social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those various places. If you've got any suggestions for how you would fix the MCU, if you liked certain pitch ideas and twists and turns along the way across our nine changes, please do let us know. If you would like to contact us directly, I am JLW Chambers, Matthew. How can people contact you directly on the internet to discuss your changes to the MCU? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to cheeseman.com. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk, which has been revamped, as Jack has pointed out. There are almost... Yeah, there are reviews for every, almost every Marvel film. 
There's a few like the earlier ones are archived, but basically every wow. single one. And my, my opinions MCU, pretty much. My opinions were very different at the time. <laughs> um I gave a Thor's Dark World a three out of five, which is fine. Uh, you're wrong. I gave Age Voltron a two out of five. <laughs> that I would agree with that. Yeah. Anyway, point is they're all on there, so go read that stuff. Tim, if I was doing the most uh bombastic thing imaginable trying to contact you to cast you as Black Panther. <laughs> oh God. Where can I reach you, Tim? I don't think I would be a good choice. <laughs> Tim, I just wonder... Not to throw you out of the bus, Tim. You wouldn't be my first choice for the new no. Black Panther. No, fair. I mean, you're above Letitia Wright because you're not an anti <laughs> But I'm not, I'm not holding up productions no. with my terrible beliefs. No. Uh, but yes, if you not did yet. want to ask me about that, uh, it would be trivia underscore lad on Twitter mm-hmm. as the best place to find me and all my nonsense. Cool. If you'd like to follow us outside of social media, you can go to sequelizers.com. There you can find our live streams on our YouTube channel. You can find every single episode of the podcast so far, all the way from the terrible audio quality of season one through to the much improved, hopefully, audio quality of recent seasons and everything in between from all the interseason stuff. As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you want bonus episodes, outtakes, all the extra cool stuff, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. Links for all that stuff are in the show notes, as always. And yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. As I said, we'll be back next week for the finale of our Ooh. MCU trilogy. We'll be talking about Phase 4, what's rumoured, what's coming up, and suggesting something that we would like to see coming up in the future. A so far unannounced project. We're going to cast it. We're going to think about some plots and some ideas bring some stuff from the comics most likely, and think about what we want to see in the next phase of the MCU, where we would mm. like to see it go. And each one of us is basically going to come up with like a kind of a mini one pitch. A, a mini pitch kind of dream project next step in the MCU, basically. So, And you know all three of us are comic book readers. You know we are passionate about the MCU. So I'm very excited to see what you guys come up with. I've seen little hints of it in the Google Docs, and I'm very intrigued. So get hyped for that, listeners. Until then, though, have a lovely week, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bum, bum, <laughs> bum, bum. <laughs>